Yeah, I think I got two open powerlifting pages. You got one that's like Matthew Lewis Venna and one that's just Matt Venna, I think. Yeah, man, what's up with that? Why do why yeah. do we got why do we got a name thrown in the middle there? Is there another yeah, Matt no, Venna on. on the scene? My real my real last name's Lewis Venna, right? But sometimes when I do meets, like the meet director knows me as like Matt Venna, so he puts that in instead of like Matthew Oh, Lewis is Venna. your last name your last name is actually hyphenated? Uh yeah, it's not hyphenated, it's just two last names, like Lewis Venna. Oh shit. How how yeah. Is that the way it's always been, or is, is your mom's yeah, last name one way and your dad's last name the other, or is that both your dad's last it, name? No, it's my mom and my dad's last name together. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. And they stay hyphenated. Yeah. I gotcha, I man. Know. Never questioned it. Well, we got on uh, two-time Canadian national champion, bronze medalist, Matt Venna. Dude, l- let me say something. My fucking mic right now, this is the first time using this mic. Holy shit, I'm not used to hearing my voice like this. <laughs> <laughs> people that listen are probably like finally bro finally you, you spring for a freaking for really mike it's it's yeah. a yeti but uh wow it sounds totally different rocking these phones and whatnot um we, we were talking before you came on about how you're able to train right now and train right through uh like the covid the lockdowns we're in right, lockdown yeah. again over here do you guys have competitions though no um we had one that was gonna happen and then it got canceled like three days out because they banned like travel between zones here and then we had like a was it the untested uh federation here they had a meet and there was like big controversy like people saying oh, it shouldn't yeah. have happened and stuff and like oh yeah man um, and, and the I don't untested. Know, yeah i don't know all the details about it but from what it sounds like to me like it sounds like they did their due diligence like they like talked to the cops about it like they had the police show up and the police said it was fine okay then other other people are saying they're like they were lying about the details. I don't know. I don't want to talk about it if I'm not sure the details, but they like, yeah. that's here's the thing, man. Um, people are online watching whether it's gyms or watching meets and whatnot, but everybody's, you know, it's funny. You said different zones. It's so weird that we look yeah. at it like that. Like that's yeah. so, so modern times I was traveling to this other zone. They're in red zone. And, um, yeah. and it's like, Holy smokes. This is bizarre. We're like a bizarre world right now. I literally got a text message from the, Ontario government, like everyone in Ontario got an emergency text message saying, stay in your homes, remember that it's law and you could be stopped and blah, blah, blah. It's so crazy, like a right, side of the time. Yeah. So that kind of stuff happens. But um, yeah, man, uh, people from different parts of the world, in, even if you're in the same country, the the laws are totally different. So yeah. you're watching videos and competitions like, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. But it's like, you don't know. It's What's the law? What's I have no idea. Following my own where I live is yeah, hard enough because so it much. Yeah. changes from week to week, let alone all over the world, all over the country, etc. Frick, man, people are. I'm like, I'm not judging nobody. I don't know what the hell the situation is. Right. Yeah. It's a fucking crapshoot, my friend. Uh, but let's bring it back when you first started, because you're a young ass man. You still. You're right, how old yeah. are you right now? Uh, Twenty two. 22 mate yeah. so still a baby in terms of powerlifting yeah um and in terms of uh how long you've been competing in powerlifting competing uh since 2015 so about five years now so you started yeah. relatively soon yeah like the last yeah. time we seen you was at the canadian nationals and we're getting close to a year now yeah pretty much two more months and it's been a year it's is it tough to be like because especially at your age the gains you get is so it's so quick like the progress of right. 
it, it moves so much quicker and nobody really freaking knows where you're at. You're seeing other people in certain yeah. other parts of the world compete and you're like, oh man, you guys don't yeah. even know where I am though. That total is so behind me. Yeah, I've been uh, really itching to get back on the platform. I was I, there was a meet that was supposed to happen in December here and I was going to do it if it happened, but then got canceled due to COVID, of course. So I didn't get a chance to show how I've been improving during this time off. Yeah. Do you have, so coming up, do you have brothers, sisters, siblings? Yeah, I have one brother, one sister. Well, what's the age differences? Uh, my brother's two years younger and my sister's six years older. Oh, snap. She's yeah. well over, man. Yeah. That's, see, I got the same situation. My sister's uh, six years younger than me. I got a brother's two years older. But right. I like l basically grew up with my brother and my sister kind of was like, out of the picture so much because she was yeah. like a kid when I was, you know, when I'm in high school, she's way too young to relate to. You know what I mean? She's right, like background yeah, type. With me, my sister in high school versus when I'm like still in elementary school, it's You're way different. But yeah, so different. She's a babysitter. Early. She's yeah. almost an yeah. it to you. Yeah. It's, what about you and your brother coming up? Oh yeah, we were close. Yeah. Were you? Yeah. Yeah. Is and did you play sports when you were a kid? Yeah, I played some. I played soccer and hockey and rugby. But I was never like as good as I was at powerlifting, though. I was just like mediocre. And, and what, what, uh, whereabouts in BC? Did you always live in BC? Yeah, always in Vancouver. Yeah. And how do you like Vancouver? I've been to uh, Vancouver a couple times. Yeah, I love it. Like, great city. Yeah. The only issue is it's expensive. But other than that, it's like perfect city to live in. Dude, it is fucking expensive as hell. Yeah. It's that's nice, true. too. Yeah. Um, I was when I first went to Vancouver, I was years ago, I was on a reality TV show, and um, the auditions it was based out of Vancouver, and I was auditioning right. in Vancouver. And um, I remember I was with like one of the TV producers, and he was like, uh, like this is this is 2012 ish, so social right. media was around, but it wasn't booming like right now. Yeah, so I had, right. had no idea about East Hastings. Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> I got stories about there too. For anyone who doesn't know, East Hastings, like the reason why you yeah. react like that. So he's so we're, we're driving in a car. Long story short, I was auditioning to get on the show, and um, the guy I was staying with had a falling out with his roommate, and um, and I couldn't stay there because he right. didn't tell his roommate that I was flying in and would be staying there crashing right. on the couch. Yeah. And his room was like, yeah, I was just there. And the guy's like, yo, did you stay here last night? Were you guys like partying? I'm like, nah, man, I'm here for a few days. I'm auditioning for a TV show. The guy's like, what the fudge? <laughs> it was bad, bro. So yeah. I ended up being on set, like like auditioning and telling one of the TV producers like, fuck, man, I got to get a hotel. Because um, my boy was going to like tour me around Vancouver and everything. And the right. TV producer's like, you could just stay with me and i was like holy smokes talk about in if people yeah. like the other people auditioning knew i was gonna stay with this dude it could have turned into a casting couch situation but he was married with his <laughs> wife the, looking back at it now i was like wow yeah. this could be that sounds <laughs> sketchy doesn't sketchy. it yeah. you're auditioning the guy's like yo you stay with me young man but um uh so i was with him and we we're going out like he used to show me around vancouver whatnot and he's like you ever seen ace hastings oh. and i'm like I, I don't even know what you're talking about. And he's like, dude, to explain these Hastings to anyone who doesn't understand, because it's like nothing I've ever yeah, seen in my it's fucking like life. The like, where all the homeless people and the people with drug issues go, like other cities in Canada literally ship their people here because in other cities in Canada, you can't survive in the winter if you're homeless because it's just 
like too cold. Vancouver is like moderate enough that you can survive. So basically, just like an abundance of like people who are addicted to drugs or troubled past and mentally ill, and they're just like it's like the worst of the worst in terms of neighborhoods in Vancouver. There's nothing else like it. It, but, but I mean, worldwide, dude, it's weird because yeah, even yeah, compared to other major cities, there's like it's just insane. It, 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 what, I, what's hard for people to wrap their heads around, you could be on East Hastings and see prostitutes in the middle of the street, people right. crazy on drugs, and like just like it's in, it's it's like driving through an apocalypse, a yeah. zombie apocalypse, like it's like nothing you've ever seen, people roaming around like total gutter, and then yeah. a street over. Yeah, you're in Gastown, and it's super trendy neighborhood, super nice, all these fancy restaurants. And One street like, over, though, dude. Yeah, what happened? Yeah, it's like, what happened? It's like... Uh, so so here's some questions yeah. I got, because you're, you're, you're from Vancouver. Right. How do they... Is it like... He was trying to explain to me, but I can't wrap around my head. Um, how the fudge does it, like, the cops contain it? It's like an unwritten rule. You don't leave this street, and they don't. Like, well, how does there's, some... There's a lot of, like, uh, what is it? Like... Um, community outreach in that neighborhood like people like legal aid and like um like giving charities and stuff that and a lot of cops they turn their blind uh, like a blind eye to people in that neighborhood 100 not, not because they they like agree with what they're doing but because there's a lot of like um legal aid societies or stuff like that that will like fight on the behalf of the like um the people who have drug issues and that so like even if they commit a crime it's just not worth the police's time because they're just going to be like countersued discrimination lawsuits and stuff like that so it's just like they've turned a blind eye to it and it's just yeah a real issue i don't know what the solution is but it, it's it's weird because um like so so they were trying to explain to me what these hate things is and it, it like yeah. for anyone listening to me I, can't, I like i swear to you man it's yeah. so unique in the world where it's the cops let it go, like the prostitution, yeah. the drug dealing, the drugs. The yeah, whole line. there's like chop shops of stolen stuff, and they don't even. Dog, do it's like yet. it's like it's like Sin City. It's literally yeah. it's, it's the closest thing I can explain to you is like it's like a movie, and for one strip, you are allowed anything goes, man. Yeah. You just walk <laughs> down the strip. What do you want? You want crack? You want a girl? You yeah. want chop shop? You want like like you know stolen cars, whatever. And the cops, they don't go through that unless it's like the last resort. It's yeah. like it's like who's regulating it? I don't know. I don't know if I want to know. And literally, one street over is like yeah, yeah. tourists like uh, don't they have like chinatown or is it uh... yeah chinatown's on one side and then gas town which is like the really like i guess you'd say hipster neighborhood but like trendy neighborhood i guess you'd say it's got like the steam clock which like the vancouver's like famous um yeah what is it like landmark but i bet there's a lot of people come to visit vancouver go to gas town or chinatown and then they right. just start walking around they end up in east hastings like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. <laughs> like what whoa! happens i took a wrong left <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> dog like chinatown is super touristy and like they have like yeah. uh like 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 my buddy was we'd go into chinatown for some restaurants and it's it's like a typical tourist like you would know you would see go to gas town and right. you would see he drove me through east hastings and i was like dog yeah. are we safe and he's like we're all right they won't mess around because it's like yeah. an unwritten rule it yeah it's actually you're actually pretty safe there like like they don't they basically leave you alone they don't really it's not like you're gonna get jumped or anything but it's still like, right yeah. Which is another bizarre thing. Yeah, that's the yeah. It's like it's again like Sin City, where it's like yeah. an unwritten rule. They don't mess with tourists or people who go walk through, and the yeah. cops don't need to come in. Yeah. You do something crazy, like a, a, yeah. a woman gets 
you know, fucking raped and murdered or whatever there. Now, now we have to come in and do a sweep. Now, now you forced yeah. our hands. It's like a weird rule, man. I've never seen yeah. nothing like it. The same night he took me through these Hastings, the one street over, I, in, it must've been Gastown or, or Chinatown. Yeah. I can't remember which there was a guy and his wife pushing a stroller and it was yeah. like 11 o'clock at night. And I'm like, yeah. dog, I just, I just saw a guy hammered out of his face, pissing in the middle of the road, talking to himself in a hooker on the street. And like, yeah. was, so, excuse me, pardon me, lady of the night. And, and I'm like, you can see clear as day drug dealers and things yeah. going down. And then one street over, I'm like, are those people safe? The street over. He's like, Oh yeah. yeah. No, oh yeah, they're safe. They won't. They won't cross paths. I'm like, how is this real, bro? Growing up, like, w- would you guys walk through East Haste? Would your parents be like, don't you be on East Haste? Yeah, like, was it? Um, I must have been around ten. There's like the thing called the Sun Run in Vancouver. It's like a ten kilometer run. But yeah, when I was a kid, I did it with my sister. So we were young, right? I must have been ten. She'd be like sixteen or whatever. And we had to get a bus home, and our bus stop was in East Hastings. So we're just oh like waiting my there. god! And I remember there's these two guys, and they were like, like high out of their mind, and one of them was just like sobbing for some reason, and his friend was just like, "Man, we gotta get out of here. We gotta get out of here. We're scaring the kid." And I was just like, <laughs> I'm like ten, and I'm like, and my sister's like, "Don't look at him. Don't look at him." <laughs> like, oh my god! Is it like, did you know people who ended up on these Hastings? Was that like something you guys would talk about? Be like, oh my God, you hear about so-and-so's yeah. uncle? He's on yeah. East. Yeah, like, you hear stories about that. People, they're like, oh, they live in East Hastings. You're like, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Like, do people actually live there? What the hell is it? Well, they, they, it's basically like you're homeless and you go there because that's like the place to be. There's lots of like, what is it? Like, like food kitchens. Like gotcha. They give you food or like welfare and stuff and stuff like that they have a lot of what is it the government buys a lot of hotels there and they give them housing if mm. they want. yeah yeah i, I mean a story, it... a story about that when my dad first moved to vancouver because he's from ontario originally and um he was working at his company and his friend said let's um oh you've ever been like out to like out for a night around vancouver and he's like no not yet and he's like oh let's meet at this bar called the biltmore I forget which one. There's two bars. There's one called the Biltmore. It's in the middle of East Hastings, right? <laughs> but there's a similar sounding one, like the Baltimore or something like that. And it's it's not in East Hastings. It's by like Science World, which is like really nice neighborhood. It's like a regular sports bar. But my dad misheard and he went to East Hastings one. Yeah. So my dad's like in this bar and he's like, this dude really like brought me here. <laughs> and, he's, and he's like, he's like, yeah, my the way my dad told me is he had this like huge native guy come up to him and he's like you better be native or something like that to my dad like like it's like a native only bar or whatever oh and like he's gonna hurt fudge, my dude. but my, my dad my dad could pass for native i guess he's like he's like a italian with like dark skin right so i guess he could pass for native if he said it so he said yeah and my dad told me a story like the guy like turned his head for a second my dad just left and pulled it out <laughs> the next day at work the next day at work, my dad like goes up to guys like, "What the fuck was that? Like you like brought me to this like sketchy ass bar." He's like, "No, I said this bar. Where you where'd you go there?" <laughs> Dude, yeah. well, this is obviously before like cell phones and all the rest of it. But yeah, um, yeah this would be like ninety five or something like that. Yeah, I, I I have a yeah. If there's like a native bar and you're not native, you are a, 
You're just some random middle-class white dude who walked in. You were looking for a scrap, dude. You are in danger. The way my dad says, like, dude, I'll be whatever you want me to be. (laughs) I will be your boyfriend, sir. What are we talking about? I'm looking to survive the night. Am am I going home with you? What is happening here? I am in over my head. Wowzers, man. And then even when he hit the street out of that bar, he must be like, where the fuck am I? When he sees up and down the street, there's like zombies. You're like, wow. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Well, Vancouver, for people who don't know, it's a beautiful flipping town on the West Coast of Canada. There's like close to a million people. Two and a half million in the metro. Okay, well, there you go. It's not small. Yeah, it's a big city. It's 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 a like when you get there and you you mob around in it a little bit and get to walk and yeah man it's a nice freaking city yeah. you guys got a good shuttle service in the whole nine yeah one of the best transit services in the world yeah like we're voted one of the most livable cities in the world like every year like consistently yeah dude i believe it like don't let east hastings fool because it's bizarre because yeah. it's only on one section because yeah. yeah. vancouver is freaking beautiful man yeah. like in terms of like I, I i asked my buddy like you got a you got a car he's like are you kidding me you yeah. haven't heard about our metro system yeah. it's like it's, like you said it's one yeah. of the best in the world like well, you'd be crazy to buy a car it's a waste of money yeah it's uh and the weather's fucking for canada yeah, very moderate. Like even the winter, it only snows like maybe two weeks total a year, like if that even. Yeah, Never which really is nuts. Cold. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, you guys had the Olympics for a little while too, man. Was that yeah, 2010? That's yeah, right. that was wild. They had the was the biggest hockey game ever there, Canada versus US. Oh damn, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Wait a minute, we won that one, no? Yeah, we won the Sidney Crosby goal, famous. That's goal. that's right. Yeah. That's right, dude. Did tell dog? Did you watch it live? I watched it live. Yeah, I wanted to go, but like obviously, like tickets would have been like a thousand bucks each, so didn't go. But like I remember watching it live, and like after he scored the goal, you could just hear like cars honking everywhere. Like it was insane. Like it's like the biggest moment of national unity in my life. It, isn't it crazy how that works? Yeah. Uh, how sports do that, right? Like, yeah. like people say, like um, you know, sports don't really matter, etc. Yeah, they do, man. Because for they a minute, do, yeah. even if it's political, you're gonna put it aside. Like, there, yeah. there's like obviously stories about like I love the Olympics, by the way. Okay, I'm a huge right, Olympic yeah. guy. Like, I watch I watch sports like fucking pole vaulting that yeah. I don't. I would never yeah, even. I remember, yeah. Just... <laughs> but but I'll watch whatever and they'll show like two nations that are completely at odds with each other politically uh religious views the whole night i mean we could be war atrocities and in sport though them their teams everything will put it aside play and whoever wins they'll shake hands before shake hands after and just put it aside for that day and it's like how can you not look at that and be like yeah man this is this means something yeah put everything together yeah really special for people that one game you're talking about too when you're growing up watching this so yeah. you would have been 2010 you would have been um 12, 12 right old, yeah. yeah there there's my quick math dude 10 yeah. 22 minus 10 but um <laughs> i remember too watch that game I'm, I'm i'm a little older than you so i was in a bar drinking and um it was daniel aginla who said he was like it, they call it the gold for anyone listening they call it the the golden like that golden that's gold. the golden yeah. gold that's right yeah and they again was the one who passed it to Sidney yeah. Crosby, who was like the golden boy. Like Sidney yeah. Crosby was our fucking golden boy. Yeah. In Canada, US, doggy, we don't win very many sports against them. But one thing we do, and we'll get into powerlifting, and this is a beautiful tie-in story to powerlifting too. Yeah. But um, 
Canada, U.S., and hockey is one thing we do. And I, I remember, uh, again, like the, the reporters were asking him, did you know, like, that was the golden goal. That was huge. Did you know what it was going to be? Did you see this place setting up? And he's like, man, I was coming down the ice, and I heard Sydney ask for the puck. Yeah. Goes, but it was different. I just, the intensity in his voice is Iggy. He calls him Iggy. Yeah. Like, Iggy, yeah. Iggy, 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 Iggy. Like it was like, yeah, yeah. he was he saying just, it like, yeah. he's like, okay. I, he goes, did you see what he saw? He's like, I didn't see what he saw, but I heard what he was saying. And the intensity yeah. voice, like, he was like, I thought I saw a shot. And he's like, but fuck me. My man was like all types of pass me the potato, my friend. I right. got yeah. this. He's like, yeah. all right, I'm, all right, kid. Cause Sydney was a kid at the, they call him Sid the kid, literally. Yeah. He's a kid. Shot on the puck and jabam, that was all she wrote. Huge goal, man. Yeah. I remember uh yeah, it was it was massive, man. We don't win uh, we don't win too much on the international stage against the US because they have such a big talent pool, obviously, yeah. and money they can invest in all their sports right. and programs. Yeah. But one thing we got that we dump in is uh is hockey. hockey. Yeah. yeah. But look, I'm not even a hockey guy, and I watch every single time like the internationals yeah. roll it's, around. It's huge, yeah. When you when you were in when you were in high school and grade school and whatnot, were you into athletics a lot? Yeah, I played rugby in high school on a bit of hockey. I wasn't super good at rugby, I was okay. And then I started lifting in high school too. That's when I got into it. And then I got really into it by the end of high school. And then it's taking me here basically. Where powerlifting is basically my life now. Were you lifting to get better at like hockey? Like how how into hockey were you? How into sports were you? I wasn't super into other sports because like at that point, I kind of knew, like, okay, I'm never gonna be in the NHL. Like, I, like, I, I knew it. I was never gonna make it. Honestly, the reason I started lifting was like, we had like an option for gym class. You could take like normal gym class where you just play like basketball or volleyball or whatever, or you could do the one where you go to the gym and lift weights. Fuck so in yeah. my head, I'm like, oh, I'll do that and I'll get jacked and get lots of girls. And then like, <laughs> now I lift hundreds of pounds more and I still don't look jacked. <laughs> I still get. What is it? At my heaviest during quarantine, I was like 101 kilos body weight, and I'm only 5'11", and I'm not really fat, but I still get people commenting, like, how do you lift this much while looking that size? I'm like, damn, like, you, you what just class do I need to be in? You're like, uh, dude, yeah, 101 kilo, man. That's like, yeah, that was you know, my heaviest. 220-something up there. You're in there, man. Yeah. That's a that's a big, yeah. thick dude. Yeah. You must have bones like freaking Wolverine. Super, like, yeah, you know what I mean? It's, it's basically lower body, so it... Yeah, and people aren't impressed with yeah. legs as much, are they? Yeah. When you're on the beach and you got your shirt off, and people are like you gotta be like, trust me, I got big legs. You, yeah. you need you need I to need rock those shorts. shorts. That's right. You need the short shorts. Like yeah. I thought. You gotta do. You gotta do, my friend. Yeah. Um, so when you were smashing weights, did you know when you were in high school? Like, did you know how strong were you? Strong right off the bat. So when I first took it the class, like I guess nine months how long the school year is i was like really stupid lifting like i i do like i'd put like 400 pounds on leg press and do like one inch range of motion and then like <laughs> a set of curls and that's it like oh, i was wow. like one of, those, one of those lifters and then when the school year ended my parents are like oh do you want to like keep going to the gym should we buy you another membership and i like was like yeah i still want to but i realized then like okay you've kind of like made no progress because you're lifting like an idiot so I like looked up online, like a lifting routine and I found starting strength, right? Of course. Like the three by five. So I did that. And like, I was like always kind of like weak, not very like super athletic, small kid growing up. Right. And um, like, I remember my first time I tried benching, I just went straight to 80 pounds and like, I've got it like an inch off my chest and like Holy fell right shit, back down. Dude. Didn't even come close to getting it. 
And like my first time squatting, I was literally just doing the bar. Like maybe once I got basic form down on squats and deadlifts, I was doing like a plate for my like five reps. But like pretty quickly, I got good at it. Like I did it for the summer. So that's like three months off. I, how old like, are you? To, how old are you right now? Just so I have a quick barometer of. I'm 22 now. No, uh, practice, or sorry. Back oh, then, I started yeah. lifting. Yeah, yeah. So that would be 15, I think, right? Grade 10. Yeah, 15. So I like three months I started lifting. I got up to, I tried the max out after three months and I got three plates on squats and deadlift. So that's like pretty quick progress. And I Hell weighed yeah. like, I weighed like 170 pounds. And then my bench was still bad. I only benched like 175, but basically double what I started. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, so when you were in high school, before you started lifting, how would people have described you? Definitely like small and athletic and pretty quiet too. Definitely introverted. Yeah. Yourself tight. Introverted. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm still kind of like that. Are you, are you really, I'm still super introverted. Yeah, definitely. And super quiet. That's what no everybody shit. meets me says. Yeah. No shit, man. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've had a lot of people meet me and I don't know, I guess they see like on Instagram, like I got lots of followers and stuff. Like even my girlfriend, like when she met me for the first time, she had known me from Instagram. Like she'd seen me on Instagram before. And she's like, I expected you to be like super like charismatic and like smooth talking, but no, you're just quiet. <laughs> <laughs> like you don't fucking talk. You're like, yo, you didn't have to go there. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's kind of true. I know I'm like that. Why, why do you think it is funny how we have these, this interpretation of people through Instagram and we don't yeah. know them and we think this is who they are. Yeah. He must be like either cocky or funny or, right, or, yeah. or whatever the shit, but it's like, look at, if I share memes, it doesn't mean I'm funny. It's someone yeah. else's joke. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like we, we make this kind of thing up. Yeah. Um, how about after you started lifting, did it help? Like in terms of, oh, it helped my confidence a ton for sure. Right. So I definitely had pretty poor self-esteem before. Cause like, I don't know, I never, I never really had like my thing, you know, like I like I played sports and video games. So like I was never like something special that's like, oh, I really love this. I'm really good at it. Like, but then once I found lifting, I was like, wait, I'm actually like pretty good at this. And like once I started lifting, like I never doubted I could get to like a world class level. Like even when I first started, I thought I could. Wow. Yeah. Isn't it a, like, isn't it crazy how. You know, when you start something, it, it's just that possibility that makes you excited. It right. is weird. Yeah. Everyone says, no, I always believed in myself. It's like, yeah, okay, maybe. But yeah. for some people, it's like, no, nah, for real. I had no real yeah. reason to believe, but I had a fucking, like, there was yeah. no actual yeah. in right. front of like me if reason. Some, yeah, if somebody knew me before, like, it's like, okay, there's this, like, tiny kid who's, like, been bad at sports his whole life. And you're telling me he's going to be, like, one of the best powerlifters in his country. And it's like... Or the world, dog. We'll get to yeah. this. We'll get to this later on. But yeah. you go to the worlds and metal like this is. But yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I remember when I first like got like pretty relatively strong by senior year of high school, and a lot of people like were surprised when they'd see me in the gym, and they're like, "Since when? Like, since when are you this strong?" Stuff like that. I remember clearly, like I was deadlifting, and I did like five reps with four plates back then in high school and like this kid from my high school was like next to me like curling and he's like dude like since when are you a bodybuilder <laughs> you're like i'm not a fucking yeah. bodybuilder well, I didn't, yeah i didn't want to explain like no actually bodybuilding is different than powerlifting yeah but, like yeah. i was just like <laughs> yeah i know i kind of just lift every day now it, it is amazing how much like weightlifting does impact people's lives like people say right. yeah when people say you know lifting changed my life and they're like no it didn't like sometimes yeah, you get like pushed just, back yeah 
they're like it's just lifting weights it's not that serious like well you know it's what you make of it it can definitely be really serious if you make it serious and it can be an impactful it can change your life like yeah. like sports in general how many dude we're talking about east hates things but how many kids in whatever slums or whatever find a fucking right. sport find a reason to get, to get to the gym and just focus on goals in it right. if you can't learn how to prioritize how to how to take data and, and do like time management and everything. When you've got a sport like powerlifting, if you don't learn skills like that and then learn like, Oh my God, this works. The work yeah. I put in is the work I get out. It's like a direct, you have a, a, a freaking numerical value attached to the work you put in and the work right. you get out. It, te- yeah. it does teach you hard work. Yeah, it does one, teach yeah. you discipline. That numerical value thing. That's like definitely one of the reasons like I fell in love with it. Cause it's like, it's objective progress. Like, you right. know, like it's more weight, it's better. Like, when you're playing something like hockey, it can be harder to like directly translate. Like I'm a better player now. Like you can look at like your points and stuff, but like it doesn't, it's not as a one-to-one correlation as it is in powerlifting where it's just more weight is better. It, and there are people, you could be on a, a team and you're like, yeah, but look at the guys around you. Yeah. You know, you got set yeah. up, look at the line you had with you, yeah. you know, Something throwing like into the hockey, like the Canadian hockey team is like a freaking all-star hockey team. So yeah. it's like, of course you did well. Oh, did you get a gold medal? But what did you yeah. do to get that yeah. gold medal? Whereas in powerlifting, it's like, nah, man, you look at my numbers. Yeah. Numbers don't lie. It is what yeah. it is. Yeah. You don't even, you don't, you might hate my guts. You might not like me at all. And you got to admit, if I, if, if I'm pushing these numbers, I'm strong. It right. is what it yeah. is, right? It's, yeah. there's something pure about that. And then yeah. in terms of like getting addicted to it, you start being like, oh my God. Like in terms of teaching you, discipline and hard yeah. work you're like the more i do the more i get out that's not me bullshitting myself yeah that's not this is real i'm throwing it what happens if i squat three days a week what if yeah. i dead twice yeah. what if i all of a sudden you're working harder because you're yeah. getting it teaches you that yeah. that's what happened with me like i was starting on starting to strength which was just three days a week but i was like what if i did four days a week so i started doing four days and five days and six days and then I was doing every day. Like I just go to the gym every day, which I basically still do now. And like, I did like Bulgarian method where you're squatting every day and stuff like that. And like, I used to do just like ridiculous volume, just being there for like hours. Like I, I used to do 17 sets of deadlifts every workout three days a week. <laughs> and on top of that, I'd be benching every day and I would do back workout after like, I was in there for like five hours a day. Dude, you were obsessed. Yeah. yeah. That was back when, um, back when I was, when was that time period? That was in the summer off of my first year of university where I was only taking like one class. So I had like all the time in the world. I'd just be in the gym basically 24 seven. And how old were you at this time? That was when I was like 18, 19. Yeah, 18. And you, and it, was that the, did you make the biggest progress right there? Yeah, I made a ton of progress back then I think the biggest progress I made was after my first meet I did as the 74 kilo lifter and I squatted I squatted 422 in the meet which was my what best like better than my gym best the start of November 2015 and then um New Year's Eve I squatted 486 pounds so like in two months I put on like 66 pounds or 64 pounds on my max so like I, back then when I was just like, you know, late teens going through puberty and stuff, I didn't really have a, like responsibilities other than school. Like I could just put so much effort into lifting that I just like made insane progress then. It is, it's a, uh, what was everyone else in your life thinking when you were like 
putting in five hour days, lifting every single day. They must have thought you were a madman. Yeah, like my parents would just be like, like you spend so much time in the gym. Like, are you okay? Like, <laughs> like why are you gone for so long? And like, I remember I was in like a group chat of some people who went to the gym, right? And like, I saw one guy there in the morning and then like some other guy came in the afternoon and was like taking a picture with me or something. And he's like, and the other guy's like, Matt, you're still fucking there. Like you've been there for <laughs> like, I saw you there in the morning. Like, where do you still, I was just doing like, yeah, I was just doing the same amounts. And I don't know, it paid off. I wouldn't take it back for sure. Were you at this time, like, were you going to parties? Were you drinking like no, the usual I, high school, I, college life? I never really did that like at all. Like. I barely, like, if I was hanging out with people, it'd just be, like, one or two people and just, like, casual stuff. Like, I never, like, go out and get drunk, really. You didn't, you didn't make it with those midnight trips to East Hastings, sir? <laughs> End up in East Hastings for... No, nothing like that, yeah. <laughs> so you, uh, so, so and, and do you still not, do you, do you still live the same type of lifestyle where you don't party? Yeah, yeah pretty much. I don't really party much. The most I ever do is just like basically going out with my girlfriend. And even then I don't really drink anymore because I'm the one who drives. So I can't even really drink. So yeah. you completely dedicate yourself to this. And what about your siblings? Like at this point, are they, is your brother strong? Is this the strength running your family or is this know. just hard work and obsession? Like, yeah. My brother never really got into lifting. So I don't know if he, if he'd have the same like genetics to be good at it or stuff. My sister never really did that. Either. I don't know. My dad, he's still, He's in his 60s now and he still works as like a manual labor job. He has like a renovation company. So he's still like, you know, strong as ever. Yeah. So I think I have some good genetics for lifting. But like, would you attribute it more towards uh, genetics or the ungodly work ethic you just threw in there five days a week? Where I, you're think like... it's, I think it's definitely work ethic for sure. Like I'll admit like genetics plays some part what's his name greg knuckles i think he posted a study showing it and he said like it was a study and it said like good genetics is not as important as just like believing you have good genetics like the placebo of believing that you have the potential is like just as effective as actually having good genetics for it that's essentially what you were saying too is like you once you started you're like holy shit i could be a world champion yeah. And it was, it. I took, I've taken classes too on it, like uh, sports psychology and they're like athletes who like believe consistently that they like have a huge ego, believe that they can like be the best at something like consistently outperform people who have more like humble personalities and believe like, I, oh yeah, I'll, I, I could be decent or something like that. Like when you think like sky's the limit, right? Like even if you don't reach it, like you'll still be at a high place, right? Why do you think that is coming from a guy who was introverted, shy, and was like, wasn't that dude previously, but you start lifting and it just came naturally. I could be yeah. a world champion. Like, why do you think that is? I think it's just like, I had like a chip on my shoulder, right? Like you just think like, oh, I've never been good at something. So then like the first thing you find that you like, you're like, okay, I know I can do this. Like I've been waiting my whole life for it. You know, I'm just going to give it everything I have. And I know that I can go far if I do that. If I just put the work in. And why do you think? Um, the belief makes the difference if you actually believe it or whether you don't believe it why do you think that kind of like in that study showed yeah well if you actually believe it right you're actually gonna put the work in right like if i like if somebody like never like if you thought genuinely like if no matter how hard i try no matter what i do if i like 
sleep eight hours every night, hit my diet perfect, workout perfect, never miss workout for anything, never drink or anything like that. And you still would have mediocre results. Like you're never going to do it, right? You're never going to put the effort in. So it's like having the belief makes you put in the effort. It's like a like positive feedback loop, right? Yeah. So it benefits you. Yeah, it's true. Why, why would you put in five hours a day and dedicate yourself if you think you're going yeah. anywhere? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It, in, um, like I'm pretty big into, I love the sports psychology thing too. And there was also showed that when you're in it, okay, powerlifting is somewhat, this, this applies, but let's say it's a tight, well, it's a tight ass hockey game, a fucking, cl- whatever the game is, when you're exhausted, right. you're behind, you're exhausted, the clock is ticking. When you 100, they, they showed when science fails you, your body's breaking down and like you should be done. That belief, no, we we are the righteous. We are going to get that goal. We are going to get that last hoop. We are. I'm going to land that last punch. I'm going to turn it all right. around. It's just around the fucking corner. If I quit now, I quit a moment before the miracle drops. Like it's there. I can feel it. I mean, you keep hanging on, whereas it's that crazy belief. And um, they were also saying how in the same t- studies where if you uh, if you have too much success too early and it comes unchecked, so you don't have to really crazy fight for it and you make it to the big leagues, whatever sport it is, when right. you do get checked, it's it's can be devastating. Devastating. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. you're like, this isn't the way the script goes. And all of a sudden you're questioning everything. When you start off humble and you work your ass off and on the way up you're constantly checked by the time you i think it was the ten thousand hours argument where they're saying like yes there are people who pick things up quicker than the ten thousand hours but the people who in terms of the long haul when you have to put in the ten thousand hours and the ability right. to just take you there that quicker you're a lot more sturdy an athlete in terms of like you win more titles because when it's yeah. close and you're facing off with somebody else who got a lot easier path that's yeah. when the experience and the gut check times yeah. happen. I think when you hear like people say like an athlete's like clutch, they'll be like, like, oh, so-and-so, like they're clutch, they're good in situations like that. I think that's what it is. It's that like mental belief that like, yeah, like you have like the belief that you can do it. Like you you never doubt yourself. That's like, that's what I believe like that clutch thing is to put it in more like tangible terms. It's, it's, it's interesting how some people can have that without being outwardly like powerlifting right. or sports in general, like yourself, you're saying like, look at, I, I mean, I'm an introvert, man. I, when I go out, I'm going out and I'm kicking it with my, keep my circle small. I keep my circle tight, you know, et cetera. Right. Whereas, um, and, and, and you may not be like outwardly bold with things, you know, but in some person might be much right. louder in the room. It's it, this isn't necessarily true all the yeah. time, but you know the expression of loudest person in a room is the weakest person in the room. That's not always true. Like you got Conor right. McGregor's yeah. Muhammad Ali's like that. I know this. Yeah, not there's some. Yeah, it's yeah. not. It's not always true. But yeah. the point is, you can't judge a book by its cover. That shy kid in the room who doesn't want the attention, if you test them in that sport in his venue, you know you dive yeah. you dive into his field. he he might be worldly confident to a point of like he has that inner belief and you might not think it you might think you might be able to pose your will but that guy or girl is like nah man i i you know it's there trust me i'm gonna dig i believe that it's there yeah Yeah. it's interesting man when you when you see these type of things happening and unfolding at that time period um when about when was your first nationals my first nationals was uh 2017 in uh 
Montreal or not Montreal, uh, Saguenay in Quebec. That's right. Yeah. Holy smokes. That was the, that was the year of the crazy snowstorm. I was oh yeah. Back. I got stuck in the Montreal airport overnight. So I was up for like 30 hours straight. Cause I didn't <laughs> want somebody to like steal my luggage. That's so I couldn't sleep. Right. Yeah. That was insane. I remember just like, I was sitting there in the airport and we were by like, what is it? Like the loop where people get picked up. And like, I hear like this, like giant engine noise. And like, it was literally a backhoe, like came up to plow the snow because like the regular snow plows couldn't make it through the snow. They needed something with like treads to get up. And I was, uh, Dude, for a Vancouver kid who, who sees very little snow. Yeah, like we never have snowstorms like that. So I, I, I kid you not, I was at that Nationals and I, um, I was driving from Ontario. Like I'm just south of Toronto. And uh, I, I, no joke, there was like, a dozen cars off the road like like every i almost lost it like i was white knuckling yeah. my friend I, I had never been so focused while driving it was crazy so many cars like yeah. i mean not just off the road spun off the road flipped i i saw a fucking transport truck in the ditch on fire and i was like this is like driving yeah. through beirut what well, the hell was yeah. in it that set it on fire two on that road during that travel two people died and I was like, I remember at the time, the girl I was with was like, should we pull over? I'm like, man, I don't even know if pulling over is safe. Like, we yeah, need like smoke pulling over. Yeah. yeah. Where are we going to go? Slides off the road and hits you. Like, nothing you can do. There was, there was yeah. two, three times I spun. Like, I tried to just tap the brakes a little, slow down a little. Spun 360 on the highway. And then yeah. ended up back, like, like doing, or even a 180 and having to do a three-point turn in the middle of the highway. We could have died at any point there. Yeah. Went back into the proper direction. Thank God nobody's coming. And then continued on our journey. And uh, she was like, I can't fucking believe. Like, she's like, I'm so glad I'm not driving. And I'm like, I'm so glad you're in a car with me. Not because you, if I die, you might die with me. I don't die alone. But I would be fucking like freaking out, man. I was like all yeah. types of stressed. In terms of making weight, I probably lost five pounds. <laughs> just driving there. Yeah. It was insane. Was a, we drove to, me and my dad, we flew into Quebec City, then drove to Saguenay. I don't know, it's like a two-hour drive or whatever. And we rented a C-Class to get there. So that's like not the best car at all to drive in like conditions like that. And I remember it was, it had like that feature where like cars like shut off at like red lights to like save gas. Oh my we God. didn't know we didn't know it had that feature so we're just like damn it we stalled like so we're like getting out in the middle of an intersection and like like and my because it kept stalling over and over again and, we're, and my dad's like there must be like ice in the exhaust or something so we're like out there it's like minus 20 like snow blowing and like trying to like like pick out ice of like the front grill Miles has been, yeah, it was not so bad. And then you finally get there um at yeah. the time I just pulled this up so you were a really small 93. Yeah, what is it? I don't think I actually was a 93. This is the thing. Like, I woke up, like, I was, like, I weighed, like, 85 kilos normally. But I was, like, if I'm not going to win 83, like, I'm just not going to cut. Like, I'll just compete as a 93. Like, no mm. point. Because I knew I wasn't going to win 83. But, like, I like like I said, I was up for forever in that Montreal airport. So I lost a bunch of weight. So, like, the morning up, we went to, like, this breakfast place. And I, like, just ate a ton, like, was drinking a ton. And I weighed in like fully dressed. I had my shoes on, pants. I had my sweater and the jacket on. And I weighed 85 and a half kilos. So I'm pretty sure if I had like, like you're supposed to weigh in and just your underwear, right? So like, I'm pretty sure if I had to do that, I wouldn't have like made weight. 
like even under they don't let you compete if you're under at nationals that's right so yeah so like i was like i'm i'm, I'm and i remember the judge he's like you don't want to take that off i'm like nope nope yeah, like, <laughs> and then when he sees the weight he's like oh okay I yeah. got you. you didn't make yeah. that journey and almost die to not yeah. make weight to not be yeah. able to lift yeah that was, it, uh, so after that, like, obviously, so you're showing up for experience at this point. You're, you're, yeah. how old are you here? 17 was, years old? I was 18 still. Yeah. I hadn't turned 19 yet. So, so you were 18. still in your total. Like, I mean, you, this was before you hit your massive gains. Yeah. Um, you came back a year later, uh, as at 19, you're still only 90 kilo though. I mean, you're still yeah. undersized, but you were yeah. still in the transitioning then filling out. Yeah. Still filling out. Um, second nationals was i came fourth to that one i remember i just missed third place uh yeah that one was really fun i remember the was it the third deadlift i went for 300 kilos it's like my biggest grind i've ever hit but i missed it um for hitching i got it up but i got called for hitching but the, I, I love the clip i have of that because i have my friend was a jake allison the guy who won the 66 kilo class that year um and he's just like screaming at me like ah oh, bah bah and it's just like it's my most hype lifting video ever like yeah. <laughs> yeah. send it to me i'll repost it yeah i'm gonna post it later today actually i was planning to so yeah and at this point are you do did you get yourself a coach are you still no, just basically... i've always been coached by my own my whole way through and, and how do you how do you is it just literally i guess I was going to say antidotal. I mean, it's just yourself. You're just literally recording data. Be like, this is working. Right. This is not. Yeah, this that's basically is... it. Just trial and error. I'd like do a training cycle. If it went well, I'd just ch change a couple of things, see how it goes. Just basically trial and error. And when you started lifting, competing at the national stage, like when you found powerlifting, decided I'm going to go this route. Right. A, how did you find powerlifting? And B, like, who you, was there someone you found and you're like, oh my God, like you start right. following and be like, I so, want to be like that. Yeah. So when I started like powerlifting, like I did starting strength and squat bench deadlift, but I didn't know like anything basically about like the powerlifting scene itself. Mm. Right. Like the only lifters I knew were like YouTubers like Alan Thrall and Omar Esoff. Like those were the guys I knew. So I knew nothing about powerlifting. But then my, other friend we had been friends in high school and then he started powerlifting too he happened to and um he got into like the more organized side of it and he was like oh i'm gonna do a meet you should do it with me i'm like oh yeah sure and then i started seeing like actual like ipf lifters like i remember i saw johnny candido and like his post about worlds so i saw like brett gibbs and i remember seeing eric lilybridge too for the first time and oh, that was Jesus. like insane to me like i saw him squat a thousand forty pounds and yeah. i'm like I'm like, how can a human squat twice as much as Alan Thrall? I'm like, how can a human do that? <laughs> it's like unbelievable to me. Like never heard of before. Because I was squatting like 400 pounds then. So thinking like somebody can squat a thousand. I'm like, that's possible. Yeah. yeah. So that's what got me into like actual organized powerlifting. I remember asking my friend, like he was talking about IPF Worlds. I'm like, oh, is Eric Lillybridge going to be there? <laughs> so I knew nothing. And he started laughing his ass off. And I thought he was laughing because Eric Lillybridge was too weak. I'm like, how can he be too weak? I'm like, he's good enough. I'm like, he squats a thousand pounds. Not knowing yeah. like all the <laughs> style of powerlifting. But yeah, he had me do a meet and like I did one. And then I looked up like the numbers like for Worlds as a sub junior. And I was like, wait, like I could actually like compete for a world title. And then like, but then I found out you had to do certain meets to get to nationals and worlds and I couldn't do it. But yeah, but then 
but then like that got the idea in my head like oh i could i could actually go to like world competitions and then just took it from there basically what's the idea gets ahead once you see the pathway like oh how cool it would be to like yeah yeah it's like wait i could actually do this and yeah was was there somebody that in particular you gravitated towards and just kind of looked up to like a a lifting i don't know idol or or someone that you anyone like that i had a lot of lifters that like motivated me like um basically just the big name ones from when i started like the nostalgia seeing them like be the best of the best like i used to watch a ton of like motivational powerlifting videos and the guys whose clips i'd always see there's a bunch of them like eric lloyd bridge like i said but like dan green like yeah. Pete Rubish, Andre Milanichev. Dude, like these are the Raymond. untested fellas. Yeah, Dude, those wow. were the, all the people who are popular. Even though I like, I compete IPF and stuff. Like, I just always saw them at like at the start, and it was like my big inspiration. And like, yeah. There's Why just do you something think about, them? Well, I, I think there's just of... something about watching them that it's like, it's more exciting than watching like some. I I'll say it like sometimes IPF can be pretty boring compared to untested. You think like, so? In terms yeah, of how I think terms- sometimes IPF can be exciting, right? Like I remember at uh Calgary Worlds watching like Bryce Krawcheck pull his third. Like I've never seen a crowd so loud. That was like insane. And watching like Ray Williams squad in person, like always insane to watch. But like I don't know, something about like watching like Pete Rubish like deadlift and then like scream after it's like so motivating to me, even though I'm like the complete opposite lifter. Like I'm known for like never making a face or anything when I lift. Is that yeah. why? Is that why? Is because you look at you look up to some of the guys that are opposite of what you're doing, and you're like, "Fuck, man, that's yeah." Kinda- I guess so. Yeah, like it's just like it gets something that just gets you like so like motivated, like ready to like I could run through a wall right now, like stuff like that. In terms of the untested, like there's nothing like watching a guy like Dan Green who looks like he just stepped out of a comic book, right? Or Harry yeah. or something. There, it's yeah. it's. It is literally like their Marvel characters. So yeah. I know what you mean where and watching them like smash weights shirtless yeah. and then be like, yeah, afterwards yeah. they're freaking impossibly jacked. Yeah. And you're like, oh my. And the weight yeah. is ridiculous. And However, you, on the, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, you barely see that in IPF where you see like somebody built like Dan Green, which is obviously because of like, yeah, like, it's, it's the supplements. Rare. They Look, take, we, but, we got like Ashton you, Ruska. We yeah, got some like, guys. Yeah, there's few. Fruits. There's like it's Ashton. Few, few, like, yeah. Russ or somebody like right. that. But it's like, if you look at like, like somebody like, I'll use me as an example, like my physique for somebody who's untested, where like, I don't want to put like, I don't want to throw other IPF lifters under the bus and shit talk their physique. So I'll use me. But like, if you look at like some of the top IPF lifters, like their physique is like, yeah, they look like they live, but like, they're not going to like. Not, not crazy comic book. Yeah. They're not, they're not looking like they could compete and win a bodybuilding competition. Right. Here's the thing with the untested. I agree with that on the flip side their competitions if you ever watch one of their streams yeah nine times out of ten is very low quality yeah that's like you're sure. watching a high it looks like a high school basketball team is yeah. playing and some guy just threw up a stream there's no yeah. multiple angles there's no there's no slow motion yeah, that's what the does, right there's and no think, scorecard yeah. you don't know who where yeah. are we in the scorecard where well you can go to this no, no, I want a commentator with live scoring telling yeah. me, oh, okay, so here, if he hits this, that puts him in third, but watch, yeah, it could be a placeholder yeah. dead. Like, it looks like a real that's, sport. Yeah, that's yeah. what the IPF does a lot better. For Kills sure. it. They kill yeah. it. They, they, and, I, yeah, and I, just I, running meets in general, like, like a lot of untested beats I see, like, they just go terribly, like, people complaining, like, they're taking forever to get through flights or stuff, but, like, 
like IPF worlds, like I know IPF gets like shit on a lot, but like there's no way, there's no federation that's making meats better quality than the IPF. Man, who's shitting on the IPF though? Like, what are they a lot saying? Of people, I think a lot of people they're saying they're like, oh, they're just way too strict on depth and stuff. Or like after Colleen, when the spotters messed up, a lot of people are saying like, oh, and they're like just saying they're not for the lifters and stuff or building the sport, stuff like that. Yeah, I, th- I think that's I think they're the opposite. I think they are for building the sport. I yeah. think here's the so thing, like they, yeah, you, you can't you can't have you can't have I'll go and then you 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 let me know if you agree yeah, with this. Right. Yeah. You can't have the untested where you have like meets where people have just the silliest squat depths and it's a joke and it makes the sport in general, not just that fed look bad. That is a black eye for the sport. You need strict for us to be taken seriously. Like I'm a huge USC fan, MMA fan. When they ran towards regulation is when they went from illegitimate to legitimate. And all of a sudden they're being looked at like a sport. Right. And believe it or not, that is for the lifters. Like, yeah, is it hard on, is it hard on you? It has to be, trust me, like it needs to be tough calls and tough, you know? Um, I remember one US Open, people were really shitting on them. They're like, oh, they're way too strict on depth. I'm like, no, it's it's better. Better to be strict on depth than not strict enough, like more legitimate and stuff. You don't want, including the streams, man. Look at the biggest streams in the untested. When I, if I try to tell people, you get into powerlifting, I tell them I'm into powerlifting and they, this is the biggest one. If it's the untested, this is yeah, the biggest event yeah. of the year. Yeah, this is the one. Check it out. This is the one. This is the one. They tune in. They're like, this looks like a fucking high school art class yeah. put together your stream. It yeah. looks like there's, it looks like, it looks Mickey Mouse. That's yeah. the, they're like, this is the biggest meet of the year. Yeah. Like, I yeah. remember what was it? Boss of Bosses 3 or something. One of the Boss of Bosses meets. They started charging for the live stream. God. And like, um, I, I used to be on Reddit powerlifting a lot. And I remember looking at the thread and people were like, is the live stream worth it? And every single response is like, no, not even close. Oh. Don't pay for it. Like, just wait for people to post cell phone clips. It will be better. Dog, I, listen, I've had some people too. So um, I do like, like I'm on the IPF media team and I've had people actually say like, what do you think about doing like pay-per-view style? Because like, if I look at the, if I look at the views that some of the, the IPF worlds and certain nationals get, right. and I'm like, throw pay-per-view on there and watch the views plug. Yeah. Yeah, no, John, I dude, think... I, I'm not paying for powerlifting. Like I watch NBA game for free. Yeah. NHL think, for like, yeah. come on. I think you have to establish the sport more before you go a pay-per-view route. Tons more, right. man. I'm going to yeah. wait a day yeah. and see all That's the results of all the highlights. They really need to make it accessible. Like that was the thing when the USAPL made their nationals way harder to get into in Canada too. I actually think that was a bad decision, right? Like, I think they should let it be really open to large people to grow the sport for more, like longer. Like maybe when you get to the size of like other sports, like maybe like something like basketball is unrealistic to get to that size, but even something like, I don't know, like other Olympic sports, like get to that level, right? Like then you can limit the national size, but I think it's way better to like grow the sport to have nationals be something that like an average lifter could actually go to compete at, right? Do you think so? See, I, I, I get torn. I know what you mean, where to keep enthusiasm, here's the thing, okay? So as a, as a point of, I think further to your point, let me know if I'm misinstruding. Most powerlifting fans are powerlifters. Yes. Exactly. So yeah. uh, that's probably fair. Not many people are like, no, no, I don't lift. 
but I watch powerlifting. That sounds weird to me. That's yeah. great. I think it'd be amazing. Yeah. But that's when you've made it. Like when you don't play hockey, when you don't do basketball, when you don't uh, do fighting, but you watch USC, you watch hockey, you watch yeah, basketball. Right. That's when you have fans, fans. Whereas a lot of other sports like powerlifting are like, you're a fan of powerlifting because you're a powerlifter. Right. You're not, yeah. you're not sitting on a sun Saturday watching a powerlifting competition and you don't yeah. even lift. You're just a super yeah. hyper fan. That's very rare. So I think to your point where um, the more enthusiastic we have people. So if nationals has a shitload of people involved, they're enthusiastic, they're emotionally invested. It's be, you want that because that's actually your fan base as well. And if you think you cut them out and are you breaking, am I slowing down and freezing up on you? Can you hear me and, and everything? Yeah, sorry. It's just my internet's pretty bad. No worries. Okay. Good, good. It's it should be good now. It's good now. It's good now. It just does random lake spikes, but yeah. Yeah. I'll try I'll not to know if I can't hear. I'll try not to talk with my hands too, because that makes buffering happen. But um, here, I'll put, look at me. I just said that and I put my fucking hand up. <laughs> I talk like I'm Italian, my man. I talk with my yeah. hands. But um, uh, if you have like a nationals and because your your fan base is your lifters, if you cut the nationals down the fear is like if you if people think we cut the amount of people showing up at nationals and all those people that are no longer participating and no longer involved are going to keep their fanfare and just watch as fans that's historically not how powerlifting's run you right. could you could argue that you could be like yeah. if they I, were involved sorry go ahead yeah i know people personally who like were competing in powerlifting specifically because they wanted to compete at nationals and then like they upped the qualifying standards and they realize like i'd have to put way more time and energy into this and i'm just not worth it right and now like, and like yeah and now let me ask you do they even follow powerlifting then once they stop powerlifting themselves yeah they follow it casually but like stuff like that like you're not watching have, the having members and like actually competing and like they don't take it seriously like they go to the gym now and they like lift occasionally but like they weren't like actually training and growing the sport right like having people in your gym powerlifting to like attract people to it like that's like yeah such a huge thing people it's another love. good point yeah. yeah like what's his name johnny candido he's saying something like that in this group chat i mean he said like um he's posting a video of like bryce crawchuk this was way long ago but bryce crawchuk in a commercial gym pulling like seven plates just casually and he's saying like if we need more stuff like that where random lifters like go to a gym and it like attracts people to like oh like this is cool like i want to do that you're right yeah it's the best advertisement yeah, even if it's not like somebody as high as Bryce Krawcheck, but just having like uh, like another gym rat becoming a powerlifter, right? Like it, it helps grow the sport. Yeah, no, you're right. And, and so I think we are unique in terms of we need participation. We need people like out there, not just right. like in gyms doing crazy shit, even if it's not, well, it's not that crazy for powerlifting. Believe me for that gym, it's going to be, even a yeah. middle of the pack powerlifter is light years ahead of everyone else. Yeah. Yeah, at my um, <clears throat> the gym I first started lifting at, like I just do like 275 pounds for reps, right? But I'd have a lot of people staring at me because I was like insane to them, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and to me, like that was like huge because I had like no context because it it was like a really small gym, like it had like eight pairs of 45 pound plates, right? Like it was not a serious gym at all. I remember the second gym I went to, it had like Jackson Spencer, right? Yeah, the guy who won the 120 Junior World Championship. I remember seeing him for the first time. I'm like, oh shit there's in actually Calgary. people out here yeah there's actually people out here who are really strong when i went to his gym right 
Yeah, I mean it's uh and and I do think also if you so what do you what do you think we do? So I agree, you know, nationals, I know what people say about nationals should be the best in the sport nationally. Like I mean the cream of the cream, but I yeah. also I also agree with you. Go ahead and chop off these people. If they lose enthusiasm, we lose them as lifters, we lose fan base. And then when the viewers go down and the and the amount of people powerlifting goes down, what do you think happens? The sponsorships, what do you think happens? There's repercussions yeah, exactly. beyond just the elitist mentality. Oh, wouldn't it be cool if it was a, a very elite club I joined by going to nationals? I agree with that, but it doesn't actually help the actual sports health as a whole. Right. I think USAPL had a really good system before where they had prime time. Like that like solves it basically. Like um, if you say I went to nationals and I came like 120th and 83, like it's not, <laughs> it's not really cheapening the competition of nationals because nobody's impressed. You came 120th. Right. So I think like, that's like the perfect balance. You have a lot of people competing, a lot of people paying money, which like, I know a lot of people say it's just like a cash cow for the Federation, but that's not really a bad thing when like the Federation's like buying equipment to hold meets and stuff. Like it's not a bad thing to have a lot of money going to the, the um, Federation. And then you have prime time where you have the top lifters and like, that's like the elite thing where it doesn't take away from the elite competition. Right. It's like, I don't see why they couldn't just keep that balance. How, how do people think, I know when people say like, yeah, the Federation's making so much money. Why do you think the USAPL with all the feds that have come up and gone shrunk, got big, had their limelight gone, had a couple competitions. Like you look at the untested side, where you have like a couple events for a couple of years where the shit and then the events gone or certain feds that have risen up and now gone. Why do you think the USAPL is healthy where it is? You want your fed having money cash flow to hold major events to have, you want it like this, man, you need right. a healthy fed bring it in. They know what they're doing. Some people who have never run an organized, like who has run organizations this size and actually balance the books year after year with that responsibility and keep these schedules going. And, and then also be, a part of an international federation and have to meet those obligations and still send a team internationally. No other feds are doing this in powerlifting. Right. So it's kind of like, look, yeah, at, we can... I think that's a big thing of it. We're having like, I think uh, IPF versus untested the top level. It's pretty similar, right? Like the top very top is, dog. They're both Listen. similar size. They're both similar size. I mean, right? I don't but know. Are the divisions but, but very the deep? Level at the lower levels, right? Like once you get down deeper, that's what I mean. Like the very top of the top, it's very like similar size. Like I don't see, I don't think so. Put it this way, in the 72 kilo women's in Sweden, top five could have won it. Or like, but how many right. weight classes in the untested have five people who could win it at any given time? You like have like maybe a showdown, but probably Jamal by himself. Like, right. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't even think that. Some like the 220 class stuff like that where it was swapping a lot here and there but the other thing yeah but the other thing was like at the local level too like ipf is just like blown away i think 100 agree with you 100 yeah yeah that's why i think the like large nationals thing is a big part of that where you have all the local yeah. lifters who have something to aim for versus like like nobody really like cares about like the untested nationals like uspa nationals is like not as big a meet like the biggest untested meets are just one-off events like us open right stuff like that structured that they're not structured like that and to to add to your point um that local level it's just extremely important that it feels when people show up like you said like the ipf or any of their umbrella national affiliates 
it feels like, wow, there's a lot of people in my way. I could show up as an 83 and there's a shitload of other 83s. It's, it feels like a, it's oiled, an oiled machine with the structure. It's very like, like the depth and everything that's called looks just like the streams I'm watching because almost, I mean, my man, 85, if not more percent of people who, who make up powerlifters are the two year people. And it's right. rotating and it's rotating yeah. and it's rotating. When you break into three, year three, four, five, six, seven, it's fewer and far between. And you're at the t- probably at the top end of the fa- of the divisions and whatnot, or you're a Wiley veteran, people know you, but you are amongst the minority in t- being around that long. So the health, the overall health of your federation is actually the, the people who are like quote unquote rookies. So treat right. them kindly and make them yeah. feel when they show up, make them feel good, make them feel like they're a part of something, make it feel legitimate. And exactly. more to your point, having them involved and feeling like they're involved at a national level, I get right. it, it lowers it, but do the prime time situation where everyone knows the elite of the elite are in prime time, the rest yeah. go to the big meat, but as long as they're there and involved, you got a big healthy fed. Yeah. You can't have it both ways. Yeah. People right. want it both ways. People want, this is how I envision it. Nationals is yeah. nothing but elites and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, but you're going to lose the huge chunk of your following. And where do you think your money's coming from? Where do you think all your structure's coming from? You can't have both. Sometimes people have this utopian idea of how it's run. Well, it's like, well, if we put you in charge, the Fed would last two more years and we'd right. see a huge yeah. shrinkage happen. Yeah, you know, exactly. it's, it's not really how it works. I personally feel like, uh, the same about if the USAPL left the IPF, I, they think yeah, it'll, it'll stay the same. Yeah, I don't think it'll stay the same. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think you would see massive, like maybe initially it'll be the same, but I think for the exact same reasons that you mentioned, if people have goals and think, even if they're never going to make the IPF worlds, let them fucking think they can and yeah. get them involved in that party and see the pathway. Yeah. They're going to their nationals. And why are they going? Their nationals mean something because you're vying for these world. You know, it doesn't matter right. if they're going to fully make it. Just let them see the pathways, yeah. et cetera. It's a good attainable goal that they can work towards. Dude, it's 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 hard to explain to people. It's like, they say like, you know, 1% of people are going to make it the world's. No, I got you. So it's only the 1% that will be affected. No, it's not though. It's not how human psychology works. It's just like when you picked up the barbell and you had these great visions. It's not though, you know, those early people just let them have the belief. And then when they recycle out after two to three years, like they always do, that's fine. But they had that. The Fed will not stand the same after a few years of disaffiliation. I don't even know what's a fucking word, but I just use it. Disaffiliation, my friend. Yeah. I don't know. That's my view. I know, but that's like a hypothetical, whatever. Right. But um yeah, about 100%. Let's get back on track to our, we just got into a big, uh, it was good though. We right, got yeah. to do a big chat yeah. here, but let's get back onto your story here. Um, so when about the things start really turning around for you when you started winning nationals, no, no longer showing up in terms of particip- participation and you're yeah. making national teams. Right. So that world's in the, or nationals in Calgary where I came fourth, the next one I won right in um, Ottawa. And that was really when, it, when I started to blow up in popularity too, because I did like a super long off season. I squatted 595 pounds at that meet. And then like my first month of singles after that super long off season, I hit like a 602 pound single. And it was like so easy. I went for a double, right? And then a few months later, I squatted 300 kilos in the gym too. So that was like 
30 kilo gain and then at that point when i hit 300 kilos i was like like whoa like i i can i can win nationals now like i'm pretty confident i can win i remember that's that's when i started blowing up on instagram too like back then i had under 700 followers right it was basically just people i knew in person and then I think that was the first video you ever reposted of me was the 300 kilo squat. I was about to say, I, I actually yeah. remember this. I wasn't going to, yeah. I was going to let you tell the story, but yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, the 300 kilo squat got reposted and I got like, at that point it was like my lifting just blew up. I had like such a great training cycle. There was my first term at that university and I just used to train between classes. It was just like, I just loved that gym so much, like the environment. And like having people like start to notice me, like just random people I never like around the world noticed me. It was just so motivating, right? It was like, so that's when I started realizing I could win nationals. So then, and then I went to that nationals. I did fucking terribly. I still won. won. Well, when you were at, did people in your actual life, not just even through social media, did they start being like, dude, what is that? Like, cause some people who know you in life would follow you. But not realizing when your social media starts blowing up, they're like, what the hell is happening, dude? Yeah, yeah. Like I had like a lot of people I knew then were just local powerlifters, right? That was like my circle basically. And then they're, they're like, I had like a whole hype train. They're like, dude, you're just like, like you're taking off now. You're ascending. That's what they used to say. Yeah, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, ins- it was a really like insane period of time that like from November to March, between what year was that? 2018 to 2019 just insane period where really took off did you have a moment where you're like when this happens man nothing's gonna be the same like this is there's something about the ascent that is so fucking exciting and and rewarding when you actually make it up to the top now you're defending and it feels totally different yeah the pressure is there but but when you're on your way up there's no pressure and it's only just that's yeah that's something i didn't realize how different it is it feels like you know, you feel like you're not, you're not known as much, right? So there's not as much pressure on you. But like, once you're known, it's like, if you perform poorly, people are going to notice and they're going to be like, they're going to get like, like, I literally like get like hate DMs if I do poorly at a meet now. Like, no, like, like people I don't even know. And they'll just message you. Like, you're obviously like fake natty or stuff like that. You had to like, or like, just like, haha, you use fake weights. I'm like, what? Like, who are you? Oh, yeah. Or the opposite, the worst yeah. would be like, if you feel like you let supporters down. That too, much. that feels really bad, yeah. Even people you like, don't, it's, it's a weird thing yeah. when people you don't know support you. Yeah, yeah, that too. Like at Worlds, I did pretty poorly too. Like way less than I hit in the gym. And like, I don't know, just like having all those support messages I got beforehand. And then afterwards, just like feeling like, damn, I let a lot of people down. <laughs> and there's, um, when you're on the way up, you know, it's funny when you're on the way up and it's nothing but excitement and build. The pressure's yeah. not there yet, but you see your following growing. You see your numbers growing, your capabilities growing. People around you are like, oh my God, what is happening right now? And it's all in front of you. The sky's living. You're like, I don't know, man. I'm just running down this path. And it's yeah. it feels like I'm running downhill. It's so easy and things are so smooth. And it's only afterwards when you've quote unquote made it. And now you have just every, you're just like defending more that you're like fuck that was the golden time right there and i didn't even yeah, did you exactly. know it at the time where you're like i, no, I didn't know the golden period yeah. really you did yeah but like yeah that was probably the time where lifting was the most enjoyable like i mean it's still like like my favorite thing in the world to do i'll never sure. give it up but like yeah 
back then like the like realization that like something you've wanted for so long is within reach and there's no pressure no pressure from other people really like and you're yeah there's just nothing like it until you experience it and it's funny because what in that time period you probably think the in the future is when you'll be at your happiest when you when you've made it you're like oh when i make it it'll be so awesome little do you know that when you start winning and you're like fudge man i didn't even ignorance is bliss man back then it was like every day i couldn't wait to get to the gym because there's another pr and more people following it oh it's all positive and yeah even though it's not like the same thing like powerlifting but like when you hear like something like celebrity says they're sad and people are like oh how can you be sad when they have everything and it's like you don't realize how different it is when like like having everything doesn't like having success. It's not the good part. It's the chasing success is better almost like the come up. Yeah. It's, it's, it's better. Honestly, I'm, I'm going to real quick. I got to rock a piss. My friend, you got it. Okay. You want to take a five minute pee break? Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. Let's do this. Okay. Back from the short pee break, sir. Thank you very much. I drink water like a motherfucker. So uh, I knew this was coming. I also rocked the coffees. So when you when you won that Canadian Nationals and you were saying this is the first time you won the Canadian Nationals. Right. And you are at that point, let me check your age, young man, because you're a junior, but you are a young junior, 20 years old. Right. So you're you're not one of the you've got some room to grow still right. in, yeah. in terms of growing. You're still 90.5 kilo as well. Yeah. <coughs> now my body weight's up to 98 and a half, just walking around. Now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, chunkers. I have to do some pretty big cuts to get in the meats <laughs> now. Yeah. So what do you think? What, at this point, when you're still growing in um, and you're still doing your own, your own lifting, like your own programming and whatnot. Yeah. But this time you win. Is there any yeah. drastic changes you make from previous years or is it just literally you're growing into it? No, your- I literally just kept doing the same programming because I thought it had worked so far. But yeah, the thing about that 90 and a half kilo weigh in at that meet though is because I was normally like 95 kilos walking around, but then I got like deathly sick before that meet. Like I've never been that sick in my life. Like, I don't know what the fuck I had, but like I was just bedridden completely. Oh, like, wow. Yeah, like I don't know what it was. Like I was almost going to go to the hospital because like I went to the bathroom to like take a shit before the meet and like it was just like pure blood like i was like oh my god yeah. dude. I, 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 like the whole week i was there at nationals i was just shitting blood and i was like um <laughs> like uh i don't know what's wrong with me but you're like that's I, definitely i'm like dude. um I, I was gonna go to the hospital when it first happened but then it's like they're not gonna let me compete <laughs> what are you this is like yeah. bro i don't know what different... the fuck was wrong with me but like for like a month i had like flu-like symptoms like, even after like three weeks i was still like waking up and like stuffed nose coughing sneezing sir like, this I, I, this isn't flu-like symptoms this is colon cancer like symptoms this yeah, is way yeah. worse like, I, this I is way worse yeah and like i was like ordering food like i could barely eat or drink so i was just ordering like um like smoothies or like what is it like iced cappuccinos from tim hortons just to get calories in because like yeah. they're super calorie dense and i was still losing weight i didn't even have to cut because i was just like bedridden and we were staying in the airbnb and my bed was just like completely soaked because i was just like sweating like oh i had like it was ottawa right and it was like minus five out and i just had my windows open my room like ice cold and i'm still sweating like completely drenched like I've never been that sick in my life. This is absolutely freaking terrible. Yeah. I, I, 
I can't like, believe you lifted. Yeah, your... I never really told many people how sick I really was. I just said I was sick, and they're just like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, the cold, so what? Like, that's not an excuse. But, like, I've never been so sick in my life. And, like, yeah. Hey, you were you, you were just sick at home leading into. You were there and, like, Yeah, like, oh the my... day before I left, it started. And I'm like, oh, it's just a minor cough. Like, I'll be fine. And then by the time, like, I woke up in the morning, flew to Ottawa, Went to use the bathroom. I looked down. It's just red, and I'm like, "Fuck!" <laughs> Holy, like, I'm really fucked. And yeah. who were you? Who were you? Who was with you at the time? Oh, there was like a bunch of people in that Airbnb, like twelve people, and like they. Fuck, they that's like, the worst, dude. I yeah. hate being sick around people. I'm just yeah. like, leave me alone. Maybe one any, person. Anybody's sick, but yeah, I was just in there, like, oh my god. And what were they saying? We're like, my brother. Did you tell well, people, like, or did you keep it to yourself because you're scared? Was, they knew I was sick. They knew I was sick, but they knew how bad it really was. But I basically stayed in my room the whole time, right? Like, I had no energy. Like, my head would, like, pound whenever I stood up. So, like, I just laid in bed all day and slept. Like, I would I would just sleep all day. Like, literally, I'd only get up to use the bathroom or, like, get my food that I got delivered. You just woke up yeah, to shit blood. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> the only bad. time I was awake, I was shitting blood. Yeah. And the <laughs> worst part was... The worst part was, is not only did I compete, but I signed up for four volunteer spots after I competed. Oh my Spotting God. Loading. So I was like, didn't even get a chance to rest. Like it was, yeah. Bro, you, wait, you did it? You didn't even bow out of those? No, I didn't. Cause I, I didn't want to like, I didn't want to quit. Like I was like, kept thinking like, I'll be better by meat day. And then like, by that point, I didn't want to like quit the spotting and loading job like an hour before. So like, I didn't want to like yeah, make them have to find somebody that short notice. Especially if you you won the Canadian Nationals, so they're like, "How sick could you be when you just won? You're gonna look like yeah, a douchebag." Right, right, like, yeah. Especially because, like, if you didn't know, like, if you just saw, like, oh, he's he just totaled seven fifty kilos and now he can't spawn load, like. Yeah, they're like, whatever, dude. Well, let's talk about. Well, first off, one hundred percent, and um, they don't even realize how nice of a guy you were gutting it out. Be like, I'm not gonna let these people down. Yeah. If people don't realize, that's freaking hard. But um. How the hell did you end up doing what you did? Because pulling it up, man, yeah. I mean, yeah. you did... Like, okay, I had squatted, like, a lot more in the gym. And I, like, I was... My projected one rep max for my gym list was still, like, close to 320 kilos. That was my plan to try and do that if I could. But honestly, I, I honestly didn't feel bad at all warming up. Like, I felt normal. And I thought it was just, like, my meat day energy. I'm like, okay, I'm fine. My opener with 285 kilos on squat felt fine. So I went to 302 and a half and I just got stapled. Like, I, like I basically, I guess I gave it all doing 285 and that was like my energy reserves for the day. Yeah. Oh no, that dude, you're, you, that was lift number one. Yeah, and you were like, well, well, was that was, biggest, <laughs> it was still the biggest squat of all the 93. But you're also, so, so all right. So there's two ways to look at it. Well, biggest squad of 93, but also that was all I had. That was my energy reserves. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. So how did yeah. you hold form and end up pulling out a, a 745 kilo total? Yeah, I don't know. I My bench felt okay. Like basically what I expected. I guess that's like not as affected by energy levels because I'm pretty calm. Like I, I don't show it outwardly. When I, but like inside, I'm like super hyped up when I squat and deadlift. But bench, I'm super calm, so I guess I could hold it up for that. But deadlifts, so like again, I just got my I got my first two deadlifts and then went for broke on my third and didn't get it. Mm. But yeah, after that meet, I was definitely like 
done. Like I was like completely drained. And do you think like a competition like that, where it's literally just a fight to get to the finish line, like you're, you're, you're struggling to get to yeah. the finish line. How much yeah. does that help? And you still won, not only did you win Canadian nationals, but you won your spot on the Canadian national team. We'll get to the world championships in a minute, but how much did that improve in terms of experience wise when you're like like if shit it's the fan for you again you know all right it wasn't my best day but in terms of how you felt when you couldn't even get out of bed and if you did it was to shit blood and you're it's the middle it's below zero freezing and you got your windows open because you can't stop sweating you're dude you're getting so low that you probably you're getting close to i could maybe even cut to 83 if i wanted to like it was getting bad (laughs) yeah it was getting bad and the fact that you actually pulled Pulled off what 90, you did. Yeah. That 90 and a half was after chugging a bunch of liquids too. Like I like, I went to the store before the meet and I got like a thing of juice. Cause I was like, basically the only thing I could stomach. And I'm like, I need something with carbs and liquids in it. And I just chugged like a liter of like juice before that too. So like I was under 90 kilos, like normal. Dog, you, you, you yeah, could have yeah. easily, I mean, you can't change your weight class, but yeah. And yeah. so after, after going through the entire experience you did, yeah. If you walk into a competition now, things start falling off. You could, you have that experience to lean on, yeah. even though you're only 22, you, you've like yeah. te- been tested and be like, man, yeah. it, it, things just aren't as scary now. Yeah. One of the things though, that, that, um, it kind of masked the issue is I think my peaking strategy was really stupid back then. And that's part of why my world's competition. I also didn't hit as big numbers as I wanted to. Let's talk about it, bud. Let's, yeah. That was the next competition. So you made the world right. team. You're going to yeah. Sweden, which is the last world we had. And um, I mean, look at, spoiler alert, you still end up being in a bronze medal, making right. the podium, which is right. phenomenal at the world level. Yeah. But uh, let's talk, what happened leading into there? Yeah, so there's two things that went wrong. One was my peaking. I think it was really dumb. It's because like, I used to deal like way too far out of the meet. I think like two weeks out would be like my last heavy day. Oh wow. um, I had been basing that off like some articles I had seen before, but like looking back, they were by like untested lifters, mm. which I think they peak a lot differently than like somebody like me, who's like a skinny tested kid. who's uh, Well, it, for sure. The gains you get while you're on whatever the hell you want to be right. on are going to yeah. last a lot longer. <laughs> yeah. Like some of it. Yeah. And, uh, the other thing was my last day of water loading in Sweden. I puked up all of the water right at the end. So a, it oh, messed ha- up my water cut. So I had to like stay up way longer that night to try and make it up. So I got like barely any sleep two days out. And yeah, I think those two things combined. And I just, yeah. And I was mentally like not prepared for things to go wrong, really. Despite the nationals, I still didn't. Yeah. Well, the nationals, I could write it off. Like, there's nothing you can do about getting sick, right? Like, right. it's not your fault. Like, the, but like at the, like the, yeah. And even warming up for squats, I knew I wasn't feeling great at the meet. And then, yeah. Like, I've, hit, I've hit 300 kilos so many times, so casually in the gym. And then like my second with 295, I couldn't get it. it it's, it's, you know, I've been to both sides of it where you're in the warm up room and you're like, Sometimes you get under there, you're like, oh man, I feel it. I'm there. I'm going to murder out there. Other times you're like, oh, oh no, this is, this all feels heavy. But, but sometimes you hit the platform and it's there and you're like, oh my God. Okay. All right. Well, fine. But other times you're like, man, this feels heavy. Let's see if it's there on the platform. You go out there and you're like, okay, well, nope. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. 
Yeah. My last warm up was like around my five rep max on squats too. It was 270 kilos. And I remember after I hit it, they're like, let's lower your opener. I'm like, oof. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, oh. <laughs> Who was handling you at the time? It was um Jeff Butt and uh Vicky. Uh, they were like, yeah, Vicky. Vicky but, let me tell you something about Jeff yeah. Butt. Jeff Butt, um, and Vicky's Vicky's awesome too. But Jeff yeah. Butt has been in powerlifting since yeah. like as long Robert, longer yeah. you've been alive. Yeah. Uh, no joke. And I, I've seen what he's done. He's amazing with juniors because of his, yeah. the veteran he is. And yeah. he has, I personally, like all those same situation where I'm like, Jeff, something's off. And he has like stopped yeah, me from bombing knows. out. Yeah. He knows. Yeah. He's like, uh, we've had conversations. He's like, this is what we're going to do. And you're just do what I tell you and you'll be okay. And I'm like, Jeff, it's not there today. He's like, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't always have to be. Yeah. And he will, he will help you out. But it is huge to have a handler who's not like, stuck on hype stuck on stuck on what you previously done stuck on previous conversations they just watch what they see in the warm-up room and they're like we're gonna make some audibles and it'll jog your confidence like, if, go ahead oh sorry my connection is really unstable that's okay no, that's okay i think yeah that's okay yeah you were yeah. saying he he was yeah. in the warm-up room what was he saying yeah, but after that opener, he's like him and Vicky were like, Yeah, let's lower your opener after that last warm up. And then like yeah, at that point I kinda knew like, yeah, this is like you're not feeling it today. Like and then yeah, poor performance on squat. On bench I felt fine too. I hit a PR even. But then deadlifts too. Like they were basing like they hadn't like um they asked me like what I'd been hitting in the gym, right? So like when they're seeing me like struggle with my openers and stuff, like it's hard for them when I like gave them my genuine gym numbers and I'm just underperforming that much, like hard for them too. And they'll look at, like, I know Jeff, like Jeff and, and Vicky, um, they'll look at, like, they'll look at your list here on social media. They can take a look at how it moves. Yeah. So it's just not your word on it. They'll be like, yeah. no, no, that was legit. That was legit depth. It was controlled. He should have this, that, and the other. But so yeah. you hit your opener and missed your last two. And the amount of like energy you, you expend when you miss right. lists as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's, not something to be uh overblown. you only you only have so much in the budget to expend that day right so yeah. when you're spending your budget that much where you're missing lifts you're at your top end three times yeah. in a row like usually you want your last squat to be your top end you expend a little money for that out of the budget but you're good but yeah. when your opener's a grinder and then your next two you're failing and grinding out it's like oh damn we just went three yeah. three deep and expended a lot of money on that yeah yeah so by the time you got to deads, though, all was not lost. I mean, you're still in a yeah. decent position. Yeah, at deadlifts, I was feeling okay warming up. I was thinking, like, you know what? You're going to be fine. Like, you you feel fine warming up. Like, maybe it's just nerves on the squat. Like, bench went great. Like, maybe that was it, and you're fine now. And, like, my warm-ups felt fine. My opener moved pretty smoothly. But then, like, my second, I got, like, super grindy, and it didn't count. I got it up, but it was downward motion. So, mm. yeah, and I missed it again on my third. Same thing. I got it up but like downward motion and you're um yeah. for anyone listening to so you got 742.5 which is actually two and a half kilo less than your nationals performance when you were sick right. as hell so yeah. just to put in perspective you were on death's door uh possibly defeated colon cancer and <laughs> it came back to win nationals and uh and still two and a half kilo below that and you weren't sick <laughs> You break it up a little bit. I think, yeah. hold on a second here. 
Am I back? Can you hear me? Yeah. Right, yeah. But yeah, I think it's my internet. Is it? Okay, I can, I can hear you spot. Okay, now you're back. Now you're back, my friend. Yeah. So how were you feeling after that, knowing yeah, like... Oh, my, I think it's... Am I back on your end? Because you're good on my end, sir. Yeah, I can hear you. I was just pausing, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, so how how was it afterwards to be like, damn, man, when I was, you would have thought your nationals, like, all right, man, I'm on death's door. I hit 745. So that's got to be the basement. Describe The way you describe nationals, my man, yeah, um, you know, you must have told yourself that if my, my basement is 745, in front of you right. listening, 745 was a silver at Worlds. So... In terms of your confidence level going into Worlds, you're like, your worst day, you're thinking silver. Worst right. day. That's a yeah. worst day. On yeah. my best day, I'm walking out the champ. Yeah. And then you ended up hitting like a lesser total. Yeah. So are you thinking like, what the shit? And I know people be like, yeah. well, like they don't know the background story. Yeah, I was doubting myself a ton after that too. And like I said, like I said, I get like hate messages too. Like I got so many DMs, just like people like, hating on me and saying like you obviously use fake weights or saying I cycled off and like they're just saying I'm a disappointment and stuff and they're like damn Jesus. I was hoping for something big and you disappointed me and I'm like damn oh my god like, and yeah, that was your, and that was your father and that was your father no my dad didn't <laughs> yeah can you imagine yeah my but dad yeah. was like my dad was there with me in the worlds I remember I came out afterwards and he had like tears in his eyes and saying how proud he was of me I'm like damn that was like one of the most wholesome moments of my life. Like I had like, I felt so bad. Like I felt so disappointed in myself and like just seeing him being happy for me for being that world just like made it all better. And, and not just that though, Doug, you were on the podium it, when they were running the anthem for, I mean, US anthem, but they, you were on the podium taking a medal at the world championships. Like your worst right. days are national champion in Canada. And it's, yeah. it's not like Canada's number two in the nation. Uh, I believe that year at yeah, in Sweden. Came, yeah. So it's not like Canada, well, you like winning nationals, but what nation, well, it's Canadian nationals. It's number two in the world. So your, your worst days are still crazy phenomenal. Like you're a national champion meddling at world. So it's not like for sure your dad would be like, oh my God, this is, this is yeah. crazy. I'm watching my son do this. So how bittersweet is it when you're like, all right, I'm winning or meddling at national or world levels, but at the same time, I'm not producing what I know I'm capable of. Yeah. Like that's all that matters to you. Like, like, yeah. Like if you say it like that, like you came third of worlds, but it's like, yeah, but like I could have come first, you know, like I knew I had the like possibility of coming first. So it's still like disappointing to uh not do it but yeah it taught me a lot about having to change stuff up for meet day and since then it's gone better for sure like my peaking i changed completely i did a meet this past december um 2019 like um and i changed my taper length like way different and i ended up like i squatted more than i hit in training i deadlifted more than i hit in training like and uh my bench was injured because i fucked up my shoulder but it was it, like since then i've just learned so much more about what worked for me on me and what does overall it's helped me grow as a lifter for sure
And, and what do you think it was about in terms of like your DMs getting flooded after after Worlds? Like you still meddled and everything, but um, why do you think some people are quick to just like jump on this and look for negatives as opposed to embracing positives? And be like, well, look at me. Um, you took a bronze medal, and if they hear your story, it wasn't it wasn't ideal situations. Why do you think some people like that? Do you think that it was it? Do you think you had built up enough momentum that people were looking for a chink in your armor and looking to attack, or what do you think it was? Yeah, I think I don't know. I think people are like that. It's way easier to be negative than positive, right? Like, I like like even people that I thought were like close to me, like just after it, they just like ridiculed me for it and stuff, and it's just like. I don't know people are like they're easy um versus not. Yeah. Yeah, so basically like I just think it's way easier for people to be supportive when you're doing good, right? Like it's way easier to jump on that bandwagon versus when, you know, if you disappoint them or something, it's way easier to just turn on them again, right? Like even people that I thought were like close to me and like supportive of me, they just like completely changed after it. You're just like, man, you suck. <laughs> like straight up, like saying that, like, <laughs> and it's just wow, man. Yeah, it's so. I think it's just so much easier for people to do that. Like, is is it um, you know, sometimes there's a jealousy thing too that you you don't see until you till they have an opportunity to kick you. Like, yeah. like they, they don't want to kick you when you're doing well because you have that to throw back at them. But once you do Maybe, bad, yeah. it's like, well, is this yeah. how you really always felt about me? Because before just, we're, yeah. you know? That crab mentality, you know? Like people are just like, they don't like seeing other people succeed maybe, right? Mm. That could be part of it, yeah. But I think a lot of people in general are just really like negative people, right? Like they're just looking for any excuse to kick you while you're down, right? To an extent too, like when you're doing good, sometimes you're representing what they don't, what they don't like in themselves. Whereas right. like, yeah. I should have, if I would have, you know, I'm not doing five hour days or I'm not doing whatever the shit, but if right. you fail and stumble, they'd be like, see, that's why I didn't, you know, yeah. that's why I didn't exactly. reach because you know what I'm saying? And they, they fucking, they actually celebrate your loss as opposed yeah. to, yeah, it's weird how that it's, it's usually about them and not about you. Yeah. You see it in other sports too, like stuff like, like whenever like a big name athlete, like loses or something or makes a mistake right like nobody's like oh they tried their best they're like they they just dump on them right they call them like a choker they just say like they suck like it's never really supportive for them look it's one of those like um you're gonna you're gonna leave or talk shit when it's raining like it isn't gonna be sunshine again right yeah. be careful with that i'm 22 yeah. 22 yeah. i'm coming yeah. back and what are you gonna do then you're gonna come back on the bandwagon no what are you going to do then with like, you know, it's, uh, well, you already revealed how you feel about it, but uh, yeah, it's weird how people, people get like that. And for, again, it's, it's kind of like that when you were on the come up, that's the type of stuff you didn't have to worry about. But now right. afterwards, you're kind of like, okay, well, I guess now I'm now already at like only 2021. You're like, I seen both sides. Right. I seen the support from people that I didn't even know. And then I seen the hate from people I didn't even right. know. Yeah. That was something surprising too. Like I had one friend from Canada and um, he added me to this like powerlifting group chat after, and they like were all so supportive of me. They're like, "Oh man, like whatever, like you'll do better next time." And it is so nice just seeing like some like just like breath of fresh air after all the negativity, right? Yeah. Because I felt so shitty like the day after Worlds. Like I had like no appetite. I didn't eat all day. Like I'm just like I don't really feel like doing anything. I just feel like shit. 
from disappointment. Isn't it weird that that can happen where like you can, disappointment is almost like shame, man. You almost feel shame. Yeah, I did like straight up shamed. Like my dad was like, oh, do you want to go out for dinner? Like, I'm like, no, no, I'm not at all. (laughs) Isn't it weird? I just want to be alone. Yeah. It is now just like the perspective thing when you were on the ascent and you didn't realize how good you had it when you're like, God damn, I'm a, that will, those thems were the days, yeah. right? Yeah. Is it, it's a perspective will be the same thing where you're like, well, I guarantee when you're 32, you look back or 42, when you look back, you'd be like, right. man, when I was in Sweden, I took a bronze medal, I had a bad day, but my dad's like, do you want to go out? I wish I would have went out for dinner, had yeah, cocktails and celebrated up. with my dad. Who gives a yeah. fuck? Yeah. Isn't it weird? Went out. Yeah. And some other lifter too, the other 93 invited me out to go out drinking after. I'm like, no, I, I don't really feel like it. Like, isn't it weird how that works, man? Yeah. And then later as time goes, you're like, why would it, why? I still got a bronze. I still, yeah, like, it's weird how that works. You'll be like, damn it. I wish yeah. I didn't, but you're human. You have to have feelings attached to things. The same, it's a yin and the yang. The same guy who was super attached to certain goals and hitting it at worlds and is disappointed with a bronze is the same drive that you're doing five hour days and doing all this crazy shit. You can't have both. So when you're obsessed, right. you're all in. So I get it later on down the road. You're like, oh, I wish I could have just mentally and emotionally detached and just enjoyed Sweden because how often am I in Sweden with my dad? Right. Yeah. But how do you actually have that normal perspective? You're not yeah. normal. That's why you're doing this crazy amount of work ethic and whatnot. Right. Like you can't, it's very difficult to have both. Right. Yeah. And going into uh, the nationals. So you had, you had that meet in December of 20, 2019. You hit right. a, a 769 kilo total and things are moving. The bench press, you, you weren't overly happy about, but things yeah. are actually starting to move yeah. for you. Yeah. My, bench press I'd injured my shoulder doing pull-ups of all things so like I'd oh, been wow. really disappointed there but like yeah I felt like I was starting to like close the gap between my training squat and what I hit on meet day to like the, the training cycle I had before nationals like I'd terribly on squat like I don't know what was happening but my best squat that cycle was 302 and a half kilos which usually I hit way more in training but I ended up hitting more on meet day 305 kilos I hit fine yeah and um what is it? The deadlift, like deadlifts went great. That cycle. Like I had been so bad on deadlifts for a year. Like even before that December meet, my week out, my top set was supposed to be 275 kilos for a double. And I didn't even get the second rep off the ground. But then meet day in December, I hit 303 and a half kilos and it was easier than that 275 was. So like, yeah, I think I realized on deadlifts what I had to do differently. Like I had to like, um, dial back intensity a bit but basically yeah by that nationals i feel like i've finally found what works for me for training for meets and why isn't it isn't it freaking wild it also teaches you not to lose your shit when in in prep mode when you, if you miss a lift or you're like wow right th- yeah, you're exactly. like i was so <laughs> calm after i missed it i wasn't upset or anything i'm like you know, really you stayed day. calm yeah, really? I, I was perfectly fine i'm like you know what i'll be fine meet day and i was like i like if you look at it on paper like I opened more than 275, but like I, yeah, for one in the training, dude, that is so ballsy. Yeah. Like I just told myself, I'm like, you know what? It's fatigue. If you feel good meat day, you'll be fine. And like meat day, I felt perfect. And and here's the thing sometimes. So I've done both where I've coached myself and I've gotten a coach and um, in terms of coaching, I've I've had everybody from Brett Gibbs to Joey Flex. I mean, you know, I've been around, I've, I've tasted some different coaching and, um, Sometimes when you're doing it yourself, 
you can second guess because you're like, oh my God, right. like yeah. if it's someone else doing it, it's not about intuitiveness or in terms of, uh, you know, they're, they're looking through an eye with unattachment emotionally to numbers. Right. Yeah. So they're like, if they're yeah. confident in it, if they watch, they're like, it's okay. You're okay. Blah, blah, blah. But when it's yourself, you can yeah, really you second be, guess yeah. and you yeah. be like, Oh my God, am I lying to myself? Like your coach yeah. isn't going to, your coach doesn't have emotional attachment to it. Like you do. They, they will, they want to see yeah. succeed, but it's not quite the same where yeah. they, they could be objectively. Right. Yeah. Whereas you might be like the day of be like, am I just fucking lying to myself? Did yeah. I, yeah. is this, is this that's, worlds that's all over worse. again? Cause yeah. you just that's, did that's, worlds. Yeah. You just did worlds where you, you, you said yeah. you messed it up. You could be, did I mess this up again? Yeah. That's the big difference too. At worlds, the way I talk to myself versus the way I talk to myself at these meets now, like before I'm I, like at worlds, I was doubting myself so much from the warm ups, like all the way through. It's almost like imposter syndrome. Like I don't deserve to be here. But then like now, like, it's like, I'm just so like unemotional about my lifts. Like I can just like take it in stride. Doesn't matter what happens. Like oh, wow. my bench press at one point, like it was so bad. Like I had hit 405 and then my injury got so bad. I could barely hit 315. Like I was hitting it for like a grindy single, but like, I never really worried. I'm like, you know what? It will all work out in the end. I'm sure it will. And um, so you, you hit your, your 769 and I mean, it's still not quite the numbers you were hitting in the gym, but it's starting to come right. along, right? It's starting to come along, right? Yeah. And I think if I do meet now, I could get a lot closer to what I was. But yeah. I had Ooh. a big in, big injury recently, though. That was my issue. I, um, in September, I was, I had like an upper back injury, right? But it wasn't really bad, but uh, it was getting worse. So I was like, I'll just take two like light weeks, like let it heal up. And my first day back, I had a 495 pound warm up squat, and at the bottom, both my knees just like popped, and like I barely got it up, and like, yeah, and it got to the point where I was coming back, and I could only do 405. But in the process of these past three months, I've just gotten back fine, and like my last post was like a 606 pound squat that was moving fine, right? Well, what like, happened with your knees? What, what, what specific? I don't know what happened exactly. I just felt the giant pop and like, then it started being like, it felt like I had like no power in my quads basically. So I'm guessing just something with my patella tendon or something like that. Right? Did, did, did You didn't go get it checked out, I guess then? No, I didn't. Um, by oh, the wow. next day, it felt a lot better. Like it wasn't, okay. it wasn't as bad. So I was like, okay, I don't think I need to get checked out. I think I can just work through this fine. And I did work back up basically i'm basically fine now i only get like a little bit of discomfort now you just next squat session do a couple hail marys and be like well let's see what we got yeah well, <laughs> I, worked, I worked through it i worked up from 405 like i could get 405 pretty quickly and i just worked through it pain-free but like before like if i was a lifter i was before worlds like i feel like i would have been way more rattled by us like i would have been like oh my god like i could never lift like, i might never squat the same again but what do you think i'm just unfazed by it what do you what, what's the, what flipped that switch for you i think it's just like learning i think that december meet i did in 2019 was really important where it showed me like if you'd like trust the process and just like focus on what you can control like that's going to get you the best possible outcome you may as well like not worry about it it's sometimes easier said than done but it's true yeah it's it's it can be very hard at times but it's definitely like the 275 failing this double like it's it's hard to tell yourself you'll be fine don't worry but like i did it and ended up fine yeah yeah but so, so then going into nationals in march 2020 this is the last competition you had 
Right. It's the last, uh, I mean, Nashville since then has been canceled, pushed back, worlds, et cetera. Everything right. is, is basically moved back. How did that go for you? Were you pleased with how it went? I'm pretty happy with how it went too. Because like I said, my squats and training day were not doing good. Um, but I hit it more on meet day than I did in the gym, that whole training cycle. Like from December meet to March, only hit um, 302 and a half kilos. That's my best squat. And then I hit 305 meet day, just fine. Um, deadlifts, I hit 305 pretty casually. And then I went for broke on my third. But like the way 305 moved, like I knew I could pull like 315-ish. I got 321 kilos off the ground. So I knew if I did like five kilos less, I could have got it. Mm. And bench, bench, I was injured, but I hit more than I did in training. I hit um, 162 and a half on meet day when I had only hit 345 in the gym, switching pounds and kilos there, but basically 20 pounds over what I hit in the gym. So, so were I you? Was pretty, I was pretty happy with what I hit. And what were you thinking going into Worlds? Were you back into contention to take this thing? Uh, the Worlds after this national? Well, this, yes, that would have, right. Yeah, I was thinking like, yeah, I got a chance now like I can definitely I'm like way more experienced as a lifter I know I've got the strength to like challenge like I was really really excited for like the like redemption meet but then mm. it got canceled it's pretty upset but you, what can you do you know and your uh, in terms of um Borkert who won in Sweden how old is he he's older than you he's no? one year older than me right so he's like this is his first year as an open now okay so he's gone yeah because that would have been the meet yeah. where you you and him get the face off once again as well. No, he we went of this past year. He wasn't going to? Oh, sorry, okay. That, yeah, sorry. Last year was, I keep forgetting, it's 2021. Last year was his first year open. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Right. But um, who else? It, it, I think the American one, it was um, Bob, right? SSJ Bob from Instagram. Oh, right. okay. He was there. He was going to be there. Well, he was the one who did the best at nationals. And what was his total at? Do you remember? He is eight, 12 and a half, I believe. I think I remember it exactly. Oh, yes, you, yes, yeah. you do, sir. Yeah, That's a I big remember. total. Yeah, I remember I was watching him and he had the deadlift 340 kilos, right? And he had like just like done a grindy 320 kilos in the gym. I was like, there's no way he can do it. And then he did it. It was so easy. And I'm like, damn. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, 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 I'm like, how did I ever like, how? It was insane. I was like, well, the most impressive lifts I've ever seen. Like just knowing his background, he just randomly pulls like 20 kilo PR when he needs to. He's an interesting guy because when he first came on the scene, he was, um, I remember reposting my King of Lifts and a lot yeah. of his videos were like, he's Mean being lifts, funny. Right. Yeah, yeah he was. Like the long pauses with 405, I remember. Right, he was like. And then, having... and then, and then he started putting his like mind to powerlifting. He was like, took off. Right? He, he people people were straight up upset that I was reposting him. Yeah. That's how like because he's he they thought he was taking it like a joke and he was yeah. having fun with it. But he was strong like but he, he yeah. wasn't he wasn't world class strong yet. Yeah. But he was strong enough and people yeah. like why are you why are you buying into this? This is king of lifts. You do elite level lifting, not this jokey stuff. And he was I remember him messaging me. God damn man, these people coming at me, coming yeah. at you for reposting me. He's like yeah. I was like I don't. Don't worry about it. Yeah, they lit a fire under him. Wow, damn, dude, everything. Wrong. The thing yeah. is, he he probably wasn't overly, he was uh, having fun, but he wasn't yeah. like, I'm going super pro athlete right now mode. And yeah. um, once he put his foot on the gas, you notice he doesn't even, his even his demeanor, man, he doesn't even right. make funny, jokey videos anymore. Yeah. 
You know, like he, yeah. he, I don't, I can't remember if he does few and far between now. Yeah, he's now almost it's just all serious lifts and all serious yeah, lifts, bro. Strong as hell. He's changed it up. I mean, I'm sure it's still in there because he's funny. He's charismatic. Yeah. I like, I enjoyed it, but so he could probably do both, but he's like full on him and Kevin Oak. Yeah. You know, he's, he's like, yeah. he, they're boys now with all their videos. And yeah. Kevin's obviously a monster. He hooked up with like, he surrounded himself with some for real dudes. Yeah. Some serious like, dudes. Was it the reverse Larry wheels? where Larry started off as serious powerlifter and became like more of the entertainment side of things. He did it the other way around. Well said. And he decided, and Larry did the opposite as well. It, you know, yeah. funny, that's Kevin Oak is the bridge there, but yeah. he was with Larry when he was serious and then he left and uh, no longer lifted with Larry when right. he, he went the other route. Yeah. But um, it's true. Like, I think Bob said, I'm going to take this seriously. I'm not going to be the big fish in a small pond in terms of, because he's doing crazy pauses yeah. with his squats yeah. and like whatever and he's like i'm moving into a gym where i'm lifting with guys yeah. way stronger than me who yeah. are serious kevin oak isn't having games man he's not he's not game for doing some funny videos man yeah. he wants to he wants yeah, to smash Kevin's weights like the guy breaking world records Bro, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. he's that dude you're not yeah. gonna talk kevin into doing some like you might do here and there some funny stuff but yeah. he's not interested in he wants to smash yeah. weights and get real and um, so when he hooked up with Kevin, his whole mind yeah. frame changed and then his game changed and he's been doing yeah. well ever since. But um, yeah, it's a shame that, uh, is Bob still a junior anymore? Do you know? I think he is, but I also think he was going 105. I don't know what happened with that. You know he what? Still is or not. That's right. Yeah, but I, I don't know if he stopped doing that or not. I don't know. I think COVID changed a lot of people's plans. Yeah, but once you start putting on that weight and living that chunky lifestyle, when you yeah. eat whatever you want, that's yeah. a tough one to walk away from, let me tell you. Yeah. Pushing away from the dinner table is one of the toughest things to push away from, sir. Yeah. When <laughs> you can increase. So, yeah, we'll see. So, you're, what are your plans now coming off of your Canadian Nationals? Because you hit a 770. Do you feel – you? because I've seen you squat 700 in the gym. I've right. seen you still hit bigger. Like, what do you think you're capable of putting out there? And do you think you're still short in terms of showing the world what you're capable of? Right, for sure. 100%. Yeah. My goal is really moving forward is just hope nationals actually happens in May. And I can go to worlds after that and mm -hmm. try and get the 93 junior title. And after that, I'll be an open after this year. So after that, I'll probably move up the weight class to 105. Cause I do. Is that know right? I, have, I do. Yeah. I do know long-term I got to move up weight class to be like maximize my potential. I know I obviously have a lot more room to fill out my frame. Right. So it's got to happen eventually better. The way I saw it is like, I can still be, if I went to one Oh five now as a junior, like I wouldn't maximize my strength in that category by the time I'm done being a junior. Right. So yeah, I'm an open wait till I'm open, then go the transition. Cause it's a big difference. 12 kilos of lean, like lean mass to try and pack on like that <laughs> takes, that takes a while. Like that takes a long time. Right. And, and you might as well in your last year of juniors, be at the top end of the weight class finally right, exactly that's the point yeah all these I other thought, days yeah. where you just keep yeah i considered it a lot i was thinking like you know of quarantine no competitions for a while but i was thinking like i think it like to fully maximize 105 it's going to take like two years at least to try and put on like 25 pounds of relatively lean mass right mm. right so i was like no i'll just stay 93 to finish off juniors and then then move up and a lot of people when they go from junior to open the pressure's not really on you right there. Like you want right, to finish exactly. off juniors in the best possible. When you first move to 105, you'll be undersized and you won't be the top yeah. dog there. So yeah. it's kind of like 
let me finish juniors trying to close that show the best performance possible at the worlds which i wish i would have done let me close the book on that maybe that could be a redemption story just at least not have the taste in your mouth you did in sweden be like look at if i win or lose or whatever if i do that performance from like that was my performance now i could walk away from the juniors and 93s and when you first go into the open pressures on the people who've been right, in the open yeah, yeah, you know exactly. so you you can give up a couple of years where you're gaining size and it's, yeah. it makes a little more sense strategically exactly. yeah and where, where do you see yourself in terms of well you know before i ask this question because it's a question i ask everybody but what is some advice you would have gave the younger you when you started powerlifting me, and you started coming up for me it would have definitely been like more particularly myself in that like worlds and first nationals at one phase where i wasn't doing to well meets it's just like don't doubt yourself like seriously like once you start doubting yourself it just like kills you like stops you down your tracks like first of all you just go like listen to yourself and like just try and be as level-headed as possible make your own decisions and the other one well not just for me but like people in general is again like what i said at the start like just never doubt your potential long term like always think you can be the best and you'll go further than you'll ever dream possible even if you miss the best, you'll right. end yeah, up. Still, yeah, like shoot for the moon if you miss your with the stars. It's kind of there cliche, it but like, <laughs> but it's Or, or it's you true. say, if you shoot. aim for, yeah, if you aim for to be great and you fall short, you're still really good. Like look at the best case, the best uh, storyline essentially is um, you at Worlds where it's like, I was shooting for gold and settled for a uh, bronze. Right. And people, and for me, that's disappointment, but I got a yeah. fucking bronze medal at yeah. the like, world championships. Like, yeah. 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 That's the other thing. Having to explain to so many people why bronze was bad <laughs> and they didn't get it, right? That was like, no, 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 you don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Because you were aiming when, at when you want, Yeah. When you want gold, like bronze, like does not like feel good at all. I, I, I don't even know where my world's medal is. Like I threw it away <laughs> somewhere in my room and I don't, I've never it's, seen it since. I, I honestly have no idea where it is. It's at a pawn shop in East Hastings, sir. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Do you view it differently now? Yeah, for sure. Like back then it was like traumatic almost. Like I was just like so like hurt by it. But now it's just like, I don't even like think negatively about the experience anymore. It's just like a growing thing now. Because even though you showed like, uh, all right, you could beat yourself up about what you did for uh, peaking wise and, and like, oh man, I wish I wouldn't have done this or that. You also had a performance where like you held it together when everything was falling apart. Uh, right. Even if you're fighting an internal battle, people don't realize when you're like, I feel, right. this feels heavy. I'm being negative. Fuck, I wish I wasn't so negative. You still, you didn't bomb. You didn't, you finished on the podium. You did what you had to do and got the most out of right. yourself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Do you ever see yourself getting getting coaching in terms of programming or anything like that? Maybe eventually. The way I see it is like I've I definitely like found what works for me long term and it's a bit unconventional. But I, I've definitely heavily considered getting a coach before. I've had offers to like the strength guys, like they've tried to offer coaching to me too. And like I really considered it. That was, that happened after my nationals where I did poorly and I was really thinking like I do I need a coach? Is that like what's going wrong with me? But yeah. I don't know. There's something about just going at it, like just me, like my own programming against the weights. Like I think mentally that's like something that can't be understated. Uh, it could even be like at certain points too. If you ever go up with a, like obviously the strength guys um, right. got a lot of world-class lifters. So yeah, they, like, they know their stuff, but yeah. there's like, there's all, there's a lot of outfits out there. Like the strength guys are very proven, 
But even if you went with them for a short period to take away, like your takeaways, exactly. even yeah, if it's not a long term, yeah. but just be like, wow, this really changed the way, because you don't know what you don't know, right? It's one exactly. of those deals. Exactly. We're like, yeah. what could I be exposed to where I'm like, oh shit, I learned a lot in a short span. Exactly, exactly, yeah. So that's kind of the temptation there. But on the flip side, I do know what you mean, where it's something exciting about driving that car yourself when it's right. speeding and you're like, it's at you know, nationals and worlds, you're like, Oh my God, I'm so all in right now. Right. Um, in terms of when all is said and done and you're an old man looking back at your career, how do you want to be remembered? I want to be the best ever. Seriously. Oh, what? that's the thing. Like I said, I want to be like, I don't want to like ever put a limit on myself. So like, I want to aim for the best ever, like if I can, like, even if I fall short, like as I, above all that, I want to know that I like gave it my all. Like I seriously, I don't want to like look back and be like, oh, you know, maybe if I like did did this instead, I would like, I would have gone on to be better. I would have been the best ever. But like, no, I want to like try like give my everything to be the best ever. And if I don't, I can be fine with that, knowing I gave it my all. Yeah, it's a lot easier to live with, isn't it? Right. Exactly. Like I, yeah. I, gave... I don't want to be like, I don't want to like give up lifting for something else, like whatever, like take a year off or whatever for something. Like I don't ever see myself doing that. Like I want to like, while I'm in, in it, I want to like go for the best. Well, then it's, it's so much easier if you, if things do get cut short from injury, you got to walk away. You don't have to look back and be like, damn, why didn't I just, that was the moment. I didn't even know yeah. it was the moment. If I knew that yeah. was it, if I knew that yeah. was my run, I would have tried a little harder. Right? Yeah, exactly. But like nobody like dies wishing they didn't try as hard to like do, do their goal. Like nobody ever regrets going for their goal as hard as they did. 100%. Yeah. And no one also dies telling themselves, I wish I would have worked more in terms of work their exactly. nine to five. Yeah. No one has yeah. ever been on their deathbed yeah. and said, you yeah. know, when I was working for that corporation for a salary and benefits, yeah. I wish I would have gave them more of my time. Yeah. No one looks back and be like, when I'm looking at the time I had on this earth, I wish I worked for that corporation a little more. Yeah. More hours for them. Yeah. Not taking chances or trying something new. Do it. Do whatever. Regretting doing the safe route. It's always regretting doing what's safe. 100%. When you're doing something for you and it's your own venture and everything, like that's the satisfaction you get from it. It's crazy, man. It's hard yeah. to explain to other people, like, why? What does it matter? It's like, nah, man, this is what it is. This is what life is. Those moments that you're fighting for, put it all on the line. And here it comes down to this one day. And uh, it doesn't matter yeah. what it means to every, anyone else. But uh, is there anybody, Doug, you gave me over two hours. Much appreciated, first off. Uh, thanks right. for coming yeah. on. Is there thanks anybody? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you do coaching? Yeah, I do do coaching, yeah. Give a shout out where people could reach you if they want coaching from you. Uh, on my Instagram at Matt Venna. It's where I usually do it. If you DM me, I'll respond or you can email me at uh, mattvenna at live.ca. There it is. And um, right. is there anybody that you want to give a shout out to or, or any thanks or anything? Uh, yeah, I'd say my my friends from my group chat that really helped me, like uh, Riley Bertrand, Damon Walker, the two Canadian lifters. They really helped me along that whole group chat. And also one of these guys I used to coach, I don't coach him anymore, but you've reposted him, Grant Everson. He's definitely going to go far in this thing. Like he's definitely somebody to watch. If you haven't already heard of him, you gotta go look him up. Like this guy's going to go far in lifting. Sounds good. My friend. Well, listen, thank you very much for coming on. Hopefully we get back on track with the scheduling. 
Right. And uh, yeah. maybe I see you at Canadian Nationals. If not, yeah. maybe maybe I see you at the Worlds, man. Well, yeah. we'll see how it all shakes up. But nonetheless, I, yeah. I guarantee I'm going to be reposting and following the journey. Everyone else should too. So thank you for your time, sir. Much appreciated. Yes, Enjoy the rest me. of your day. You too. See you, buddy.